Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas and Caballeros. And welcome to another edition of Leader Ring Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas, and my co-host, Mr. Gabriel Montoya. Well, we're trying to get this uh, going again. Unfortunately, as always, Block Talk screws us over. You know, so I have to do it through my phone. <laughs> you know what? Fuck you, Block Talk. I can't stand <laughs> these people already. Seriously, I can't stand them. You know I mean? This is just complete, utter bullshit. As much money as we put into this damn show and... We seem to keep going through the same crap with them. When are you gonna get your block? When are you guys gonna get your shit together, Block Talk? It's weird. The, the, the people, it's a little inside baseball way to start the show, but uh, you know, we're there's a direct connect where you can invite guests to the show and they can call into their Skype. And uh, since I, I have a computer that's dedicated to streaming and VR, I'm running the show through my my computer. So I know it's not my internet. My internet's super fast. I use an independent company called Monkey Brains. Uh, so I had Dave call through, and I don't know, Blog Talk has been some sort of update today or something, but that feature uh, is faulty now. There's the button that you connect is no longer there. So, uh, you know, rather than, uh, you know, like we usually do, uh, chat for a few minutes before the show, uh, we spend it panicking trying to get us both on the air. <laughs> but we're here, and that's all that matters. We're sort of like uh, Artemio Reyes and Gabriel Brucero. We thought we were training, uh, but actually the short notice guy looked like uh, he, he's the one that was training. Uh, Dave, happy Monday. <laughs> yeah, seriously, you know, I don't know. These Mondays don't seem to be working out for us here. <laughs> I'm the ring. Um, other than that, I mean, we had some great fights over the weekend. You know, a lot of action, plenty of stuff to talk about here on Leaving the Ring. I just wish that I could do it over my mic and my headset rather on my phone because the quality is just not the same and, yeah, it's really crappy, you know, like I said, I wish Block Talk would get their shit together, but unfortunately they just don't seem to. I mean uh, real frustrating here. Really, really frustrating. But you wanna start it off? Uh you're throwing it at me? All right, Dave. Yeah, I think you need to just get a bong. You need to pack your bong and just uh oh, wait a minute, that's me. I uh I'm not doing that till Burning Man. But uh, well, today, you know, let's, what do you want to start off with? you want to start off Garcia-Robert Easter Jr.? Uh, actually, we could start off with that undercard fight, a fight that we had, had tagged uh, until, yeah, uh, we had other blog talk technical issues on Friday. as, as One that was going to be one of the action fights of the weekend and instead uh, was one of the upsets of the weekend, uh, Gabriel Brucero uh, versus Artemio Reyes. Now, if you just showed me weigh-in picks or them as they were being introduced, uh, which guy would you have thought was the last-minute replacement po- opponent, and which guy would you have thought was the uh, was the A side in this fight? I definitely would have thought that uh, Reyes was the uh, last-minute pick. Uh, you know, the guy that didn't have a full camp uh, training camp. You know, only had a week uh, to prepare himself to get in there. Where uh, about Sergio, but it turned out to be it was the other way around. Yeah, brutal. I mean, uh, it was nice for Bracero. You know, he's he's uh, 
had a, a you know had a, had that big old knockout against uh, was it Danny O'Connor, uh, and he thought, well, off of that, you know, this guy is going to be the real deal. We're going to, you know, he's 37, lost some time uh, inside, but you know, and he's not really known as a as a big knockout puncher. He's more of a more of a technician, even though he's got, you know, his nickname is Tito. Uh, like, you know, being a Puerto Rican fighter, uh, it's kind of a, maybe a call out to Tito Trinidad. Uh, but, you know, um, instead, you know, and, you know, and he's, he knocks out Danny O'Connor, loses to Pauli Malinaji, uh, and, and, you know, we get to win in 2018, the start of the year, or a draw, rather, against Thomas Lamana. So you're like, where's this guy's career going? It seems kind of up and down. And he gets put in with Artemio Reyes, and you think, well, that guy was preparing for a fight. This guy, maybe he was in the gym. Uh, he said he was in the gym, you know. Uh, and sometimes that can be a little different than actually preparing for a fight. But, you know, he brought all his tools to bear. Uh, he used his wheels. He was elusive, dug to the body. I loved his, uh, his you know, straight right, where he just kind of kept effortlessly shooting that, just, just testing where he needed to be, where the range was, and just keeping the dude off balance. Uh, it was just good, solid boxing that got him through. And then, you know, beautiful body shot. Uh, and and it was all over. And, and Reyes didn't he look like a guy that was, you know, maybe it was just the right shot at the right time to do a very very soft looking body. Uh, but you know, it was there's it just didn't seem like there was any will to win there. He looked so listless. Who prepared him for this fight? Or should I say, who didn't prepare him for this fight? Well, Henry Ramirez, who's uh, been the the trainer for. Uh, the Nightmare Oriella, heavyweight Nightmare, uh, uh, Chris the Nightmare Oriella, um, and as well as Josecito Lopez, uh, that's who was the, uh, that's, I believe that's who was training him. Um, I think that was, he was the head coach. I'm not sure. I would have to double check on that, but that's what I think was training him. I mean, you know, the thing with Reyes is for Thompson boxing, he's been in some really tough fights. Um, he's never really been this guy that, that, I thought, or anyone else thought, that was going to soar to the top. He's always been a really good work uh, workman uh, type of fighter. But this time around, when you when you watch them, you, I, I just saw a real. I, I saw a shop warm fighter in there. You know, a guy's body didn't look correct. It didn't look like it. It you know, um, it, it just looked drained. You know, it, you know, it, it, he was kind of just following around. His hands wouldn't come up. He didn't really react. His, you know, his his timing was off. Everything just seemed to just slowly fall out, fall apart every second to every minute of every round. You know, um, I said he really didn't have to do much. He just had a circle, had a box, and throw occasional occasional punches, and he wasn't going to miss. Reyes just didn't look like a guy that we saw three to four years ago. Um, you know, and and. Like I said, Thompson has developed some really good fighters. Timothy Brady's come out, you know, come out of the Thompson uh, crew, and and Reyes is as as well was an exciting Southern California fighter, but you could tell that the wars really have caught up to him, and it's unfortunate what we saw because you, we've had him on leaving the ring, very charismatic, very likable, uh, you know, an action fighter, a guy that whose father passed away, and he and he still went in the ring, and he dedicated uh, one of his biggest victories to his father uh, to see him go in there and just see the toll that that's taken on him from the past of years of just being in the ring and being in certain wars. I mean, like you know, he's 31 years old, 
And if you'd have told me, you know, and look at his record, he's got, you know, three losses now. Uh, but, you know, if you said, oh, he's 25 and two with 20 knockouts, got a little bit of a late start, but, you know, he's, he's 31. Uh, you know, he's just going at it. Like if you'd have told me that was the guy that lost some time and was 37, that's what I would have thought Reyes was. His body looks so old. He just, you know, in the face, like everything, it was like, I just, I was just shocked, you know, and, and maybe I just haven't seen Artemio Reyes fight in a minute, but he just, he just didn't look good to me. And and to be fair, I haven't seen one in a minute. Uh, he just didn't look good to me at all. It was, it was a fight that I kind of looked at on paper and went, this is going to be an action. Uh, but I didn't expect it to be for for this, these reasons. And it wasn't really, it was more of a, a, a you know, a boxing lesson that, that got finished off. Like, that's what you do with a guy that's that soft in front of you. That's, you know, becoming more and more easy to hit and you're kind of leading him around the ring. It's not really changing things up. You, you find a way to, you know, keep working upstairs and, and shoot into the body uh, until you hit pay dirt. And that's exactly what happened. Yep. I agree. I definitely, definitely agree. I, I'm trying to get in. So if I seem like I'm a little off, I'm still trying to get in you with gotta, my mic. You, you got to be like a quarterback, man. Just a stage actor to, you know, pot, long-time podcaster. You're like the master. I don't need to give you any lessons. But I'll say you got to have a short – it's like a quarterback. Throw an interception. Next play, you know, I'm going to throw a touchdown. And same thing on stage and inside raging right now because, yeah, I want us to be in the flow. I want us to, to have that, that microphone. You're the one that always had the good sound. I'm the one that was always on the phone. Uh, now we're the roles I know. Are it seems like the tables have completely turned uh, on me over here because uh, I just had nothing but problems, man. I can't seem to to get things right. Well, blog talk can't. Seem what are you to trying to say, right, Dave? You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I was I, I, uh, uh, on a podcast yesterday. Uh, my wife and I guested. Uh, it hasn't come out yet. Uh, they're going to have to do a lot of editing because uh, uh, I take you know I take a long time to tell stories and I kind of divert a lot, especially when I'm telling them with my wife and and uh but we did a, it was like a burning man podcast we tell stories about how we came to burning man what we do there uh but it's also really like i can't tell that story without telling the story of how i i met my wife uh it was trippy being in these other people's studio like it's in a garage in san francisco it made me think of you because again you know i think of you as a as a uh, a boxing radio or interwaves uh you know a pioneer just as much as uh, the wave before us on the internet, Steve Kim, Doug Fisher, and and, and all the rest, you know, Gary Randall, uh, Greg Leone, like you, you were part of that YouTube and then blog talk wave of of, uh, of boxing media. So to hear you on the phone, just treat it like I'm interviewing you and you're giving me your take. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're gonna have to uh, just do it now. Can you hear me? You got the headphones on? At least you have the ability to pee. I just pee put the headphones well. on right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think anybody wants to hear me pee, you know? Wow. So, uh... Yeah. Uh, well, let's jump to the uh, the next fight. You do have the computer in front of you, luckily, but... Uh, uh, what was your favorite... Well, so on this card, do you want to keep moving up the card? Or do you want to uh, jump around to more, like, order of excitement? Order of excitement. Let's just keep jumping around like we always do, man. We never had a really format. I know some yeah. folks wanted us to have a format and uh, go, oh, I want you to say what we, what you guys going to talk about first. Why don't you go down the list? And we've tried that. We've done that a couple of times. But unfortunately, uh, in the heat of conversation, we, it always kind of pulls away. You know, we do a lot better when we're just on the fly. 
in theater, the people will do like concept shit and they'll throw like their thing on it and pretend like they made something. Uh, like I saw a quote unquote jazz theater, which is like somebody doing uh, a normal play, but then occasionally they'd play jazz and occasionally people would break into random dance that wasn't connected to anything. They call that jazz theater. But I would say that our show, uh, unlike the next round, which is more like straight news, I think, and occasional interviews, this show is kind of Mexican jazz about boxing, where we just kind of kind of flow with it. I always like that about this show, that each week it could be something different. Next week, maybe we'll do four interviews. Uh, let's go to d- fucking uh, Mikey Garcia, Robert Easter Jr. Let's, let's go there. Let's crack the ego. Since we're going in order of excitement. That shit wasn't exciting, uh, but it was a master class <laughs> boxing. You know, it's a little tight because, you know, but you knew Robert Easter wasn't going to land a monster shot, right? Uh, and, and, and all of a sudden start boxing better and, and you know, giving him problems, like become a Tommy Hearns that could like get on his stick till deep into a fight. Uh, once Garcia breached uh, the defense and, and got inside on Easter, uh, it was over. And when he landed that, it was like, you know, a right hand left hook uh, that put Easter down. Uh, to me, it was just mop-up duty. He was, you know, he was going to find that again. I think Mikey's like a, you know, like a Barry Bonds. Like, you know, he has a perfect swing. He's always on balance uh, and just always able to come back with a good left hook like that. That's a guy that's perfectly balanced, knows his range, doesn't let go when he doesn't have to. And that leads to home runs. Uh, and, and, but, you know, the next time at bat, he doesn't just start swinging for the fences. He just goes back to, to swinging the bat. And I just love that about Mikey. He's just... When he was on the inside, he just minds his defense, knew he had to be perfect, can't take any stupid shots while he just breaks this guy down. And to me, it was about superior technique uh, mixed with that power. And, and just people keep, you know, uh, who's got the best jab in boxing? I think Triple G averages more jabs and is more accurate than anybody else. And it's an absolute sledgehammer that he uses in different ways. But Mikey Garcia and Alexander Usyk have some fine sticks as well. Uh, what did you think about the fight, man? I, I was very impressed with Mikey. You know, the thing about Mikey, well, let's go with that. Let's, let's get back to Robert Easter Jr. first off. You know, Robert <laughs> looked like a deer in headlights. Um, there was no hop to him. There didn't seem to be any real, like, plan. The plan, well, the plan that looked like to me was to obviously start using the jab. But then the right hand never came out. I mean, that was down the rabbit hole the whole time. And uh, Mikey never seemed to be concerned about it because the fact it was never, it was never thrown, you know? And at first I thought, okay, maybe he's not throwing it. Maybe he's trying to suck in Mikey Garcia, make him comfortable, uh, uh, comfortable enough to, to drop his hand so he could throw a straight right or an overhand right, something, but it never came. Uh, well, Mikey was able after to that continue. left hook, <laughs> I'd be really after afraid to hook, throw yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, even before that, even before the the left hook, I mean, he still didn't really see seem to have his legs under him. Um, he was letting the shorter guy out jab him. Uh, I mean, those first three to four rounds, it was weird to see a five eleven guy jab not not really have any understanding of his distance and was practically touching the outside of Mikey's gloves the whole time. He really didn't start going in the middle in between of Mikey's gloves with his jab until maybe the sixth or seventh. But right. 
I think there was a lot of mercy on, on Showtime's uh, end, meaning that they were giving Easter some rounds. But I think if you were just sitting back as a fan like I was or any of other, any other, the other folks out there that were watching and celebrating this, uh, this anticipated match here, um, I think that you would sit back and go, I, I don't know what round to give the Easter. I don't know what round would, would be given to Easter. Yeah, I you think know? Steve Farhood, uh, you know, I don't have his score in front of me, but he, he gave some, some rounds to Easter that I was like, what? Uh, because it, it was a fight of Mikey landing the harder shots and Easter sometimes, you know, uh, throwing a lot of punches or just putting his fist out there, pumping the jab out there. But like, he just doesn't look very strong to me, you know? Like, we talked about this before the show, and, and all this stuff that's coming down with the ABC, the Association of Boxing Commissions, voting, I think, this week on... Uh, changing the way, you know, adding a second day weigh-in um, and also penalties for weighing in more than, you know, 10% of your total body weight uh, over like what you weighed in the day before uh, so that we just don't get weight cheats anymore and put putting that that is cheating to do above that uh, into the rules. And uh, it is, I mean, we, it's just grotesque at this point. Um, you know, Joey Gamash and Arturo Gotti, that fight was one of those fights where, you know, we, we were horrified for the first time. It was like, you know, this is like the '90s, right? And and uh, uh, you hear it on the telecast the whole time. Jim Gray or uh, Jim Lampley, rather, uh, going crazy about how much weight Arturo Gotti uh, had. It was actually 2000, uh, February of 2000, against Joey Gamash, Madison Square Garden. Uh, Arturo Gotti uh, blows dude out uh, with a brutal knockout. I saw it recently. He was playing at my gym, and I was just like, God, stop playing it. Uh, and so we're finally addressing this thing. Um, and I think you look at Robert Easter and you go, how long have they been developing him as a 35 being as tall as he is? Uh, it just doesn't look effective. His, his musculature, his arms just look skinny to me. It's not like you said, it's not like Paul Williams where he was just kind of a physical freak who could make the weight, but then, you know, you'd actually be strong at the weight. Uh, Easter just looked frailer to me and Mikey looked like a, like a fire plug. And just shotgunning him with that jab and, and uh, just strong with his defense. Uh, you just look like the better guy at the weight. Why? I don't know. Do you think he's more of a 140? Let your body fill out? Uh, like he should be talking about moving to 147, not Mikey. <laughs> yeah, really. You know, you know, like you said, we were talking about this. And I even said, has there ever, honestly, has there ever been a real proven uh, – not theory, but anything really proven saying that if you shed 12 to 18 pounds of your natural weight, that you're going to be more effective. You're going to be uh, a better fighter. Uh, you're going to have more power. You're going to have this, that you are never going to plateau. No, not really. And and this is because you have trainers that are not real physicians. These, you know, um, most time a trainer goes in there, their job is really is to analyze what you lack, meaning how uh, in your footwork, in your, in, in your combinations, they're the ones that are supposed to draw up a plan. But somewhere in the mix of things, trainers have also become these, um, these experts of, hey, if you drop 20 pounds and fight it, you know, if you're a natural middleweight, you should be fighting, try to fight a super lightweight. You know, you should, that's the weight you should be at, you know. And a lot of times it might work for certain folks. I mean, it did for Tommy Hearns. It did for Paul Williams. It, you know, it did for certain guys, Oscar De La Hoya, uh, Tito Trinidad, it worked. But 
it's not a proven fact that you're going to be affected in that weight. And what you saw with Easter was a guy that was 5'11", um, doesn't fight like a Paul Williams, doesn't fight like a, uh, like a Diego Corrales, uh, really doesn't, you know, I mean, he looked dead in his feet. You know, it, it looked like this was a guy that maybe fought, you know, eight or 12 rounds prior to stepping in with Mikey Garcia because he was just gone and dead in there. Didn't seem like a guy that wanted it to, to be there. He, he looked confused. Like, he looked like he didn't understand what he was supposed to do. That he just woke up, and then they put the gloves on them, and they pushed him out there, and they said, hey, you know, you got to fight this guy, uh, uh, this Mexican-American kid, Mikey Garcia. But, and that's why I go back, you know, where we have to be a little bit more uh, aware of, of our fighters, or a, a better understanding, you know. Have, have, a, have a moment of, of, of some true test in there to see whether or not this does work for them, you know. Um, you know, are they making weight? Because you know, we've seen this too happen where a fighter has been able to make weight, but then they can't break a fraction of that weight after. And and you know, I mean, we just seen this a little while ago where a guy got hospitalized, almost died from trying to make weight. So sometimes it's best for the guys that are outside that kind of pay attention a little bit more of of their fighter and kind of you know understand that there's got to come a time where you have to give in and throw in the towel and say, you know what? You may not be able to make 135. We're going to have to start testing the waters above. Well, and like dudes like shouldn't be like, you know, when you have like no hips, you know, there's like, like no fat on some people, you know, and, and you're starting to get late twenties. I just, I just wonder if that's, is that good for the body? Shouldn't it have some, does it need it? And, and, you know, there was a trainer recently talking on Twitter about, uh, and I won't dog him, I'm all, yeah, I will. I mean, it was, um, uh, you know, uh, it was Ice John Scully. He was tweeting about where he ate in Los Angeles and, and uh, uh, during a stay. And it was like, dude, you know, you, to me, like a, a, a trainer, it should be like a way of life. Like they, they should eat well. They should be all about the nutrition. Uh, and like the highest quality food for their guy, and and like it just kind of shocked me that that maybe he maybe the fighter wasn't eating there, but he was eating there. I just thought, like I, I don't know if you know a lot about the body, those aren't the places I would pick, uh, like Denny's, you know. Uh, it's just not. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I, you read through. I've been reading, you know, uh, history books lately. I'm on to John Corbett's uh, biography, and like uh, after reading John L's and. Uh, what we know now versus what we know then just about nutrition alone and like hydration, just, you know, it's, it's a whole different world. Um, I, I think this whole thing with the, the weights is going to be good, man. And I think that we need to welcome science and nutrition and, 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 and knowledge, these old ways of sweating these kids down and blowing them up to gain some sort of weird advantage. I, I, I would, I would like to see the data. I guess we will now uh, of that versus people that are like well nourished and like at a weight that they walk around or near it, you know, uh, I think you're going to get better fights and better athletes and maybe longer careers because of it, or like you know, longer, more productive careers. Sorry, it was a long rant. But. You know, but you know, but not to take away anything away from Mikey Garcia, I thought exactly what I kind of knew that he was going to do. He was obviously the much better fighter, better boxer, uh, more intelligent. Um, he can adjust on the fly. He's always in position to throw uh, the right punches. He has a great understanding of what his jab does. You know, the thing about Mikey, which I like, is that even at 130, 135, and even at 140, Mikey's speed never changes. 
He doesn't try to go too fast, and he chose, he doesn't try to go too slow. He's very modern in, in, in how he throws his punches. Um, and it's kind of almost like he's thinking while he's throwing those punches. You know, like he goes, okay, I'm going to throw the jab, and now I'm going to throw this one, and then I'm going to throw that one. You know, and th- that's kind of a rare thing to see a guy. That's why I think that, that even him mentioning Spence, and I understand a lot of fans were like, we want to see him. That's not a fight we want to see him in. Uh, we want to see him with, the, you know, the Lomachenkos of the world, uh, the Linares of the world. Uh, we want to see him with guys in a division where we know it's going to be very competitive. It's going to be a 50-50. And I also want to see him, see him, there, see him as well. You know, I, I, I tend to believe, and I think uh, most fans would believe, that Mikey would probably be the favorite at anyone against anyone at 130 to 135. Um, even at 140, he still might be a slight favorite. 147, I, I mean, I put this on Twitter. He's, to me, he's a huge, 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 huge underdog. You know, and I, and I put this out there as well. I said, you know, because I know some fans, and even on our Leaving the Ring Gmail here, Gable, were like, Dave, we saw that, um, you know, uh, that you, you were on board with the fight, but then you were still a little, uh, not sure about it. Um, here's the thing about Mikey moving up at 147. It's a win-win situation because if he loses, he loses to a bigger, great guy, Errol Smith, and who nobody wants to face at 147, not even the people in his own backyard. So he can go back down and wait and face Lomachenko. Uh, he can face certain guys that are in his division. But my answer to that is, is, is this here. The logic is, is you believing that he'll be able to go back down. You know, there have been guys that have tried to be great, dare to be great. And you know what? They don't, they're not great after that because they're not the same anymore. That is my concern with Mikey Garcia of biting off something that is a lot more than he could chew that we know of right now. Obviously, the day of the fight, if it, if it does happen, it gets signed on, we'll find out. But I just hope that he doesn't get damaged where he's never the same. And he goes back down in weight. Because you've got to remember, jumping up and down in weight, it's not really good for your body. And jumping up in weight, facing by far, I think all of us will agree here, the best, one of the best welterweights right now coming up in the rankings of that division, Errol Spence is not a guy where you say, hey, let me test the water, let me find out. So I hope that if the fight does happen, which I tend to believe that it is. It looks like it's swaying that, that direction, Gabriel. Um, I hope that his, uh, Mikey Garcia's team watch very carefully and look at it very carefully and not end up with another Cal Brook, you know, uh, a broken socket or even worse, end up like a Fernando Vargas. Fernando was never the same again when he was at, at you know, 21, celebrating his birthday, stepping in with a big, big puncher and proving – Proven a, a great fighter in Tito Trinidad. Yeah, it's a risky move, you know. Um, even like you know, uh, I read you know Dougie's Monday Mailbag this morning, and he uh, he tends to agree with us that it's a dangerous move, and that that he could get really you know beat up at 147. Um, I think Mikey thinks he can be like a like a Pacquiao, a 144, you know, or like a Floyd, and really. Um, it'll be his own man. He's proving, you know, he's picking the fights, you know, Richard Schaefer has been 
uh, handling the events for him, but he's calling his shots and being that kind of roaming free agent, like uh, like he said he was going to be. And I think he's really earned uh, the fans' respect, these, these kind of fights and performances, uh, fighting through adversity. Um, it was a tough fight, that Sergei uh, Lipinitz fight, you know? And, and, and here he put on like a master class, just dismantled the guy that didn't bring punching power and, or, or, you know, and, and had a technique that he could uh, dismantle. His only advantage was he was taller. Um, and, you know, that, that turned out to be not much of an advantage. He figured out how to nullify that. And I think with, you know, I hope we don't, Mikey, if, uh, for a lot of people, it's like that. Remember the, uh, you ever watched the gong show and that guy would come out uh, with a big kettle uh-huh. drum and he'd just say, I'm going to play yeah. this kettle drum, you know, and, and the crowd would like chant with him. You're going to play that kettle drum. And it would just go on and on. And they'd be like, right now. And it would just be like milk or like paper. And it would just break or like splash all over him like immediately. It was always like this big letdown. Uh, and that's, you know, Mikey points to the top at, at, at the division in another division, two above him, says, I want that guy. You know, uh, I hope it doesn't try to be that. But I think it's more like uh, what Houdini used to do with his uh, handcuff tricks. He would like fill a theater and, you know, they'd put the handcuffs on and do the whole thing. And he'd go behind the curtain, like work it out. And every once in a while, you know, uh, he'd get up from reading the paper, which is what he was doing back behind the curtain, and then he'd go out and pretend like, you know, he would look at, you know, at the handcuffs in the light and, like, build the tension, and the audience, like, just get crazy. And really what he was doing was not looking at the handcuff, but gauging the audience and seeing how much more they could possibly take before he finally, you know, uh, takes the handcuffs off in front of everybody and everybody goes crazy. And I think, you know, Mikey's doing a little bit of that, which is what Floyd did, which was what Oscar did, uh, even what Sugar Ray Leonard did. They always, like, point to a mountaintop, Hagler or, you know, uh, whoever De La Hoya, he would kind of link himself, like, maybe I'm going to do this fight, Winky Wright, but then not do that and like, do some other fight. It's all about promoting. And I think Mikey has really learned that. Uh, and the performances are now kind of matching. They're backing it up. Like, he's, he called his shot. Mikey would be, right. You know, the thing with Mikey is that Mikey's taking a chapter from the, from the guys from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s which is, like you said, pointing at a mountain and saying, that's my Everest. That's what I want to climb. Uh, Oscar yeah. did it with Bernard Hopkins. Uh, Tito Trinidad called out Roy Jones. Uh, the, you know, history repeats itself. Where all the other guys right now, um, and the exceptions of like Lomachenko, you know, those guys, they, they're kind of falling into that die and breed category where they're saying, this is what I want to do because this is what really, I mean, getting paid matters. I, Mikey Garcia has proven to me that, and he's staying true to his word. I'm looking for the biggest money fights and the biggest money fights seem to be on Mount Everest. And that's where I'm heading for. And Lomachenko as well as, but Lomo's kind of on a different path where he's like, I'm looking to unify and I'm looking to fight the best guys that are kind of close in my division. This is where I want to stay at. You know, this is what I want to do. Uh, Mikey's going like, I'm going to up you on that one. You know, I, I, like you mentioned, Manny, uh, in, the, in the terms of Manny Pacquiao, the only difference is Manny went after Oscar De La Hoya, who wasn't in his prime, but wasn't a, a major obstacle for a small guy like Manny Pacquiao to jump. Uh, no doubt. Or Mikey's really, he's like really going, hey, I'm going to go after not only Mount Everest, but where Godzilla lives. That's the, that's, that's the cave I'm going to enter. But, you know, we're kind of <laughs> in a weird... I, I got a problem for it, yeah. Yeah, y- yeah, you do. It's like we're in an era of, uh, like, you know, Vasil Lobachenko. You know, that, that guy, 
set a high bar coming out and just going for it right off the bat, you know, uh, going for titles, like just like under 10 fights, under the five fights. Uh, and, and so we're in this kind of like, you know, espresso of fighting or espresso of titles. Like it's gotta be, you know, look at, you know, Alexander Usyk picking up a title so young in his career is, you know, uh, did stop off at the WSB, but, you know, for a few fights, but still, um, and he's unified champ with so few fights. Uh, somebody, I think it was Milkar asked, like, uh, you know, can we think of anybody else that that unified like that, you know, under 20 fights? Uh, so I think Mikey calling that shot with Spence is a part of that. But, you know, I'll watch. If he wants to do it, does 144 and, and wants to be, you know, we're going to see how this weight rule, if it gets, you know, all the sanctioning bodies say they're going to adopt it, all four of them. Uh, we might see a, a, a mass exodus. Everybody moves up a, a, a weight class so they don't do this anymore. I don't know how much Errol Spence puts on after uh, he weighs 147. I would say it's more than 10% of his body. You know, the, the, you know, the, the folks that are, as myself, I would love to see, to me, the biggest fight at 135 would be Vasily Lomachenko versus Mikey Garcia. To me, that is the, the next bar fight bar in, in, in fights that needs to be made. Um, but the understanding is there's obstacles. Bob Ehrman is a businessman. He still has in-house fights that he can create. You know, uh, rather than putting his top guy at the moment against another top guy who is who is a, a free agent. You know, uh, Mikey Garcia can't make any commitments to other fighters because they are in the world's boxing super series. So as Mikey has mentioned, and it's not like this is brand new, you know, the one thing that I, you know, Mikey, you know, when some people are like, well, remember you was trying to attach his name uh, with Miguel Cotto and didn't fall through. Well, he didn't follow through with it because he didn't want to be under a contract again. Golden boy was saying, Hey, we can make the Miguel Cotto fight. But we want to, I believe it was a five-fight uh, five deal contract that they wanted him to be locked down with. And Mikey said, no, I don't want to do that. Um, that's why we've seen him be able to jump up, you know, fluctuate from 130 to, one, to 140. Um, and, that, you know, one, now it's on 147. In a sense, Mikey's being his own promoter. I mean, he does have his own promotional uh, company, if I believe that, if, I, if I'm correct, right? You know, so in a sense, he's... Being his own promoter, and in a sense, he understands that I've been in this position before in terms of being locked down with one guy and not being able to fight some of the big money fights. And I think he has also a sense that he's in his prime. Even though with that major lay- layoff, I think, this, I think me and you and Gabriel were talking about this, where these last two, three fights, we've kind of seen him more now say, see, there's no ring rust here. There's really nothing here. I'm, I'm, I'm back. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I'm in my prime. I don't want to waste it anymore. Give me the best, the best and biggest, uh, big and, and money fight out there available. Let's get down to it. You know, so for him to not believe that Bob Aram is not going to play ball with him or Golden Boy, believe me, I believe they would play ball. I know Golden Boy would definitely play ball with him, but they're going to want that contract deal. Bob Arum won't play ball until all his options are no longer on the table. All his fighters have kind of went around the circle, fought each other before he goes, okay, Lomachenko, 
uh, you're going to fight Mikey Garcia. I don't think, you know, like I said, again, boxing's a business. It sucks sometimes, but at the end of the day, they got to make money too. You know, I, I, I think you told me this, Gabriel, like where some complaints with fans were like, well, Bob's a millionaire. You know, he's got tons of money. I've always said that. I've always said this. There's never enough money, you know, out there to make you stop being hungry. You always want to put a couple more quarters and nickels and dimes and pennies in your pocket. Yeah, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it all shakes out in terms of uh, where Mikey goes. I mean, I, if I'm top rank, yeah, you know, you have access to all these names, but you decided to move to another company. They've got a business that they're trying to develop. I, I just don't know if if, uh, if that fight gets made. Uh, I mean, I, I'd, I'd rather see. More, more than Garcia Spence, I'd rather see you know Vasil Lomachenko versus Mikey Garcia. If we can make that happen, uh, that'd be awesome. But I have a feeling that Vasil will, will fight uh, Ramindo Beltran if he's successful in his next fight. Um, you know, uh, that, that's that's just the long and the short of it. Ooh, he's, got some... a tough, he's got a tough assignment in front of him too. You know, so yep. Um, let's take some calls. Uh, is that cool? Let's let's do it, man. All right, then. Uh, 619, you're live on Leave It in the Ring. Hey, Dave. Gabe, how you doing? What's up, Juan? How you doing, man? Hey, doing great. Thank you. Thank you. Finally back. <laughs> yeah, Juan in San Diego. Yeah, yeah man. I miss well, Chula, Vista. Chula Vista, as a matter of fact, I live in Chula Vista. And, uh, oh, oh, I work right. in San Diego and actually brought up, I, I, I used well, I live all my life in Tijuana, so... I got married and, and moved over here like around four or five years ago, but I'm uh, more Mexican than Picolas. <laughs> what, what do you think? Uh, <laughs> what, uh, just before you give me some boxing takes, I'm, I'm curious, what do you think about Eric Morales uh, winning an office there? Uh, is that good or well, bad for Mexico? I think it's going to be great. I think he loves his people. He loves his country. You know what? Uh, what, what? One of the things that happened, not only did he win, uh, Salido won, I think, uh, uh, a seat in Sonora. So, oh, is that right? Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow, right Both on. Of them won. Hell yeah. So what happens is that this guy, the guy that won, you know, uh, he, he's, he's, I think he tried to bring uh, more people into the government instead of the regular po- uh, politicians of the past, which, you know, a lot of people criticize that. Why are you bringing a guy that with no experience? And he said, because we need someone who hasn't been here because most of the people are recycled over the years. They're you know, they just change uh, places. One day they're mayor, one day the, uh, they're senators, one day they're governors. You know, they're just rotating. And it's the same people, mm-hmm. you know, cor- corrupted people, the same old people that have been uh, stealing from the people over the years. So let's, let's start bringing in real people to, 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 to office, like real people that know what, what we need. And Eric... You know, Eric, for all of what he is, he is a guy that came up from a very poor part of Tijuana that is very well known, especially with people that are poor. And he, he's going to do whatever he needs to do. I mean, he doesn't have any – he doesn't need to rob. He doesn't need to I, – I guess that, I guess it's a good thing that you have regular citizens in office, not, you know, not government – career government politicians, which are super corrupt. So uh, it's interesting. I think I, we'll have to wait and see to see what happens. <laughs> yeah, sounds like real populism, but it, you know uh, we're talking about AMLO, the uh, president-elect of Mexico, uh, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. Uh, I'm yeah. very curious to see what he does. 
Uh, oh, there, yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. My family um, is also very curious, and I think that uh, I, from what I heard from because I like around five six years ago, I worked. Uh, I do some photogra- photography on the side. I worked with um, uh, a candidate for mayor in, in Culiacan, so I had an assignment down there. I think it was 2013, and the people that were um, that hired me for that campaign uh, worked with the previous candidate for president. Uh, it, it was a woman called, uh, I, I don't remember her name, but she lost to the current president. And, and, and AMLO was also running for president, and a lot of people said that they claimed that they got robbed. And when I went down there, they told me, no, they did rob them. We were there. We saw how they robbed them. We were, like, counting votes. We would see that he would win in that particular place, and then we see the official results, and they were backwards. So we saw it with our, with our own eyes. I was like, really? Yeah, they, they're trying well, to Yeah, speak. I mean, he had, his own, got he had his own acceptance speech after that. You know, yeah. when they robbed him, he had his own acceptance speech, had an acceptance right. uh, party, the whole, the whole mm-hmm. works, you know. I mean, whole ceremony filled the square. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he because was open he, about he actually, it, you know. He did win. That's the thing. That, but the, yeah. the news didn't tell you that. The news manipulated everything for us to see him as a bad guy. And, and he was like, oh, he's crazy, just making things up. But I talked to the people from the opposing party. They told me, no, they brought them. They really did. I was really, I can't believe you're telling me this. No, yeah, we saw it with our own eyes. And he has a, the right to, 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 uh, you know, to be upset because it, it was the second consecutive time. So I'm not surprised that he won so big this time because people were, you know, people knew, people knew. So, hey, uh, that, this, that's what Mexico wanted. That's what they get. We'll see what happens. Hopefully it's good. I, I Hopefully it's good. A good feeling about it. So, well, what did you think to, of uh, What did you think of the Mexican takeover of the lightweight division this weekend? Well, I I like Mikey. Uh, I think he's a little bit more exciting now than uh, than before he took his uh, his break. I think he's a little bit more aggressive. I think he he's trying a little bit more. I think there's a little bit more passion in in him. I don't know what happened in, in those two years or three years because you you know if Age. I remember correctly the guy you yeah you probably yeah. He used Eight. to say that he did. Yep. He wasn't passionate about the sport in the past. He did it as a job, but I think now he, he kind of, you know, he looks a little different, and and I can tell. He uh, gets you know, a little bit you know more. What? But, mm-hmm. You remember in the beginning, this was a guy that was going to college. He was talking about becoming law enforcement. Um, really was kind of on the humble ground, and I've always yeah. said this that once you get a little taste of the money, and you start kind of living a lifestyle. Well, you got to feed that lifestyle, and that's where Mikey's at now. You know, I think that's yeah. why he's picked it up. I think that's why he's uh, – now he's really hungry because he understands, you know, he's married. He's, it's, you know, because it, it, it really comes down to the man. I think as us as men, we can kind of settle what is given to us. But once your family, um, are, are, you know, adopts a certain lifestyle, you, you have to continue that lifestyle. So we, and yeah. then we push ourselves more. You know what I mean? We we bite more and more and more uh, because we're trying to provide. That's in our nature. We're providers. We're hunters. We bring home the meat. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Mikey's done. He's out there. His wife is pushing. I'm like, hey, you know, you want more nine of us? You need to go out there and bring bring back home the bacon, you know? And that's, that's where he's yeah. at, I believe. He's older. He's hungry because he has to feed the lifestyle that he's created his, in his universe, in his world. Yeah, there's, there's only a few fighters that must watch for me nowadays. I, I don't have... Like like you said before, Gabriel. Sometimes you know 
there's other things to do other than boxing, you know, other sorts of, you know, forms of entertainment. I have a wife, you know, we like to go out, we like to get, have good food and everything. So sometimes, you know, there's going to be a fight that I'm going to be like, nah, not worth it, I'll watch it later. But when Mikey's on, I do really want to watch him, you know. Triple G, another guy I want to watch live. Uh, Anthony Joshua, another guy I want to watch live. There's certain fighters that I want to see what they're doing. And Mikey has become one of them. And uh, I find him a little bit more exciting than than uh, other fighters out there. Like Even like even like guys like Lomachenko, which I like a lot, but I kind of not – I don't feel – I don't feel the urge to see him. Like I, I kind of know what's going to happen. I kind of know he's going to win. Yeah, with Mikey, he's doing all, yeah, with 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 Mikey, I kind of feel like there's something there that we haven't seen yet that's going to crack, and uh, and I'm waiting for that to happen. I think like every fight, I don't think he's overwhelmingly better. Like he gets hit, he he tries stuff. So I know there's someone out there that's going to catch him. You know. But I, I, I don't. I want to see him fight. I think he's exciting, uh, and I also kind of like his attitude. You know, I know that, that there's a lot of talk there. You know, like the Spence thing. I don't, I don't believe it yet. But as I said in, in Dougie's mailback, I said, hey, if the guy actually does it, I want to watch. If he gets butchered, hey, so be it. Everybody expected that. <laughs> but you, right. but you know, if he does win, if he does win, because we've seen crazy things happen in the sport. What are we all going to say? Hey, that's what, how greatness is it's, uh, achieved. That's the only way. When you try things that nobody expects you to do. And I remember, dude, I remember when Manny Pacquiao went up to, uh, to fight Oscar. Most of us, I remember like 99% of people didn't believe he was going to be able to beat him. They thought he was too small. There was a couple of guys in the bar that I, that, that I was watching it who said, no, the little guy's going to win. Trust me. And he, he won a lot of money, one of my friends. And uh, he got a hundred bucks from me, but he always bet on Manny. I was like, dude, he's not gonna beat him. Look at the size. No, dude, trust me, he's gonna do it. And he actually did it. And not only did he do that, he dominated the division for a few years, which is, you know, incredible. Now, if he was on PEDs or all those things, well, we don't, we don't know. No, nothing was ever proven. If he was, well, I think everybody was doing something at that point. So. Probably the level, the, the the playing field was already leveled. <laughs> but uh, any, anyhow, yeah. I think if Matt, if, if Mikey tries to do it and, and at least looks good, everyone's going to applaud him. The, the problem is, as you said, uh, going back, you know, going down again, that's not going to be easy. If you're doing that all the time, you'll eventually, you know, your body's going to take it, you know, take it so. Well, it's been not long for the sport, Mikey. You know, he's looked at it like a business. He does look like he's enjoying it a lot more. I think that is the difference. We're getting more exciting fights. He's letting his hands go more, really dominating behind mm-hmm. an active jab. Uh, he's mm-hmm. looking, you know, to, to set you up to get you out of there. Um, I, I like this chapter certainly. I, I don't know if we lost anything, or maybe you know he he's filled up by being away from the, the only thing he'd been working on for like a long time. You know, you go and live and mature a bit. You, you know, you come into your man strength. Maybe that's good for a guy, and it freshens him up, you know, uh, so that we're going to get some good well, fights and, you know, an intelligent one thing, guy with a refreshed body. Well, sorry, uh, well, one thing I wanted to, to tell you, because you were mentioning this uh, uh, before I, I called in, yeah, it, we're talking about people, you know, guys training themselves to make weight and, and data. I, I call it cheating, too. Uh, if you look at Mikey's body, his body doesn't look ripped. He looks like he has a little bit of fat. He, like normal, he looks like normal right. at that weight. So I think that that helps him a lot, and and that's one of the things that I you know whenever I see a fighter today, most fighters are ripped. And I remember back in the day, 
Like even a Travis, he didn't look like he didn't have a he didn't muscular look body. Yeah. He, mm. he he looked normal. Yeah, even Pernell Whitaker. Uh, yeah. yeah, he didn't look like completely. Ripped. He looked good, but he didn't look like there was no fat in him. He looked, Cheeto wasn't he looked a, yeah. little, uh, wasn't yeah, a super ripped guy. guy. You know, yeah, well, so, Mikey looks so like you know, uh, like Vargas's body a little bit too, like that kind of smooth Mexican dude. You know, we don't, yeah, yeah, super jacked Mexican dudes. Do you know? You know, it's not, it's not really our. Yeah. I mean, I guess you <laughs> well, know, there's some, joke. but I don't kind of smooth. Know you know? I don't know. I don't even remember this. Back in the '90s, the joke was that to see Mexicans with muscles, that was like, wow, what? This dude has a yeah. six pack. Well, remember that? Yeah. Uh, my that favorite happened. quote from Vargas is training camp. Well, it was actually in the, I think in the dressing room and he's no, in the dressing room. He said, no way he wants it more than me, but I think it was in training camp. It was like a Mexican's not supposed to look like this. <laughs> he's like showing off. Yeah. His yeah. Tight, tight <laughs> it's like, yeah, we know, dude. Uh, we do now know why you had that. That's one of the reasons. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why people like people like my age, I, I'm 40 years old. So people like my age that grew up with a, uh, the Chavez and with all those guys in the nineties, you know, look at Canelo. And, and when, when all this happened a couple of months ago, three months ago, uh, we don't believe them because we, we remember, we remember how things were in the past. Nobody looked like him. Nobody, no Mexican looked like him. And I'm, and I don't need the red hair. I mean, I mean the body, you know, and everybody, yeah, like everybody yeah, yeah. that I talk to is like, always like, ah, come on, dude. like, I'm not going to accuse them because, again, I can't prove anything. And it's not in my nature to be accusing people of something. But, you know, when he failed the test, I was like, eh, I kind of expected it. And then, you know, he he, uh, he had that hair test. And, okay, good, good. I hope he cleans up his name. But what I'm saying here is that people, there's a reason people down there don't like him. There's a reason. You know, so oh, yeah. they want to see guys like Mikey. They want to see guys like that that look natural and then they just go by their, uh, their business and that's it, dude. So <laughs> that, I guess that's one of the reasons I like him. But, yeah, dude, let me add to that really quick, though, because yeah, sure. the, thing, though, too, the thing, though, too, is that as Mexicanos, that we, we normally don't get to that weight, though. So that was really rare as well, because I've spoken to a lot of Rasa también, and they've told me the same thing. Well, you know, we, we've never really seen a Mexican go above uh, 147. We've never really witnessed that. We've never really witnessed them trying to get bigger. You know, the, our great fighters have always been from the 112. Yeah, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's why I sit back and go, well, I'm not, I, I can't really judge him. I can't really say he was on something, because the truth of the matter is, is that, we never really got that big. I mean, when I when I used to fight and compete, I fought at, at one one fifty two, and that was really where as well. I mean, when I did run into another Mexican kid uh, on the block mm-hmm. that was fighting at at a, at a middleweight uh, uh, division, that was like, hey, like we were like, oh shit, you're you're in this way too because it wasn't heard, you know. Yeah. That's the only yeah, thing yeah, I can yeah. say as a defense, you know. But you know, I but I hear what you're saying. I mean, you, when I saw that too. I was like, damn, this guy's really powerlifting. It makes this 160. Hopefully, he can keep it up because that's a that's a another thing. So I thought he bulked up to try to absorb the punches, which it looked like it did against Triple G. Um, no, looked, the it, thing is that it absorbed him for sure. Thing, yeah, it, it, it did absorb it. The thing is that <laughs> the one thing I my criticism is that you're gonna you're now gonna have to keep that up. You know, yeah, to do yeah. it. To, yeah, you know, this, so this we'll fight's see. gonna tell us a lot. This fight's gonna tell us a lot. I, I, hopefully, the guy wasn't doing it 
hopefully he, he does bring something good and give us a good fight. Hey, guys, I got to go. Uh, my wife just came in, so um, I'll call next <laughs> All week. All right, brother. All right, good. All right, brother. Hey, Thank you, man. Please Thanks do. You guys. Bye-bye. Good to hear from you. Bye. Bye. Good stuff there, man. Really good stuff. Let's touch on another fight uh, 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 fan on the, on, the, on the show, bro. Yeah, man. Sorry. Uh, there's a guy that uh, unlisted number that's kind of dropped and called a few times. You're live on Leave It in the Ring. Yes, Gabe. Uh, Dave, how's it going? Good, man. How well, you doing? who's this? Oh, it's Hamid. Hamid. I used to call on on the, I think it was the next round. But I've been listening to you guys. Yeah. I think you've been doing a very good job. Keep. Uh, I like Thank you. you. That you kept keep the sh- you kept the show on the Mondays. I was just wondering, do you guys still do the show on the Thursdays as well? Uh, no, no, we no, we, we moved that show to this to here. You know, because this show was I don't know how many episodes, Dave. Like close to the the, the next round had um, in like the three to four hundreds, but. Uh, when I moved to San Francisco five years ago, we couldn't do it on Thursdays anymore because I'm generally doing theater, and I do that on a Thursday. Uh, and it was just oh, screwing us up. So we kept the, the next round on Mondays. But then when I stopped doing that show, now we've moved. We've revived the Leave It in the Ring and to do it on Mondays. So there you okay. go. No, I was just wondering. So you guys do a preview show. Is there a preview show on Thursdays? Oh, that Yeah, we show. do the preview show on Friday. Yeah, yeah, that's on Friday. All right, all right, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, 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 with uh, Robert Easter at 135, I think he should have went for a unification at 140. If I'm correct, after he beat Lipponets, uh, he could have unified with one of the other champions if he really wanted to stay around 147 and then eventually try and go. To, I still don't think he's big enough for 147. I think 140 is a ceiling, but if he really wanted to do it, that would have been the ideal plan because I think... A unification at 140 followed by, say, a fight with Pacquiao. Maybe then he could have been talking about, talk about Spence, but I still think Spence is way too big. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if this is, you know, we'll just map out a plan of it. Because you look at the guy, you, know, you go for unification at 140 right now, and I don't know if it's worth as much money as after the World Boxing Super Series goes through their tournament. You know, and so you get these guys that don't have as big a names as him going through that tournament, like but are arguably as dangerous, like Regis Progre, uh, Kirill Relic not so much, but uh, Progre is really the the potential star. So why fight that guy when you can let him put some miles on himself because he's I think Mikey's age or he's also 30 years old. How old's Mikey? Uh, and and he doesn't have the miles that maybe a Progre does, but. Mm. So instead, you jump up, you take a to risk that you that you think is beatable. For some reason, he thinks it's Spence, uh, or and you mm. take an interim fight in between. So you let the you know the first round of the World Boxing Super Series go through, uh, and you wait till the next round. You make you take your big shot, and then the winner of that is your the big money fight. Or maybe Terence Crawford's available out there. I, I don't know. I I I tend to believe agree with you though. He's he's daring to be great, and that should be 
lifted yeah. up, not not shot down. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think he deserves respect. I mean, there's a lot of welterweights who are not willing to fight Spence. The only thing is, Spence is in his prime, and I actually think Spence might decapitate him or seriously hurt him. But I mean, yeah. Spence, I mean, he, he could get he could get outboxed. I, I thought that Campo was outboxing him before he got knocked out, and I thought Cal Brook was right in there with him as well. Uh, I, I think at the moment we don't know how good Spence is in terms of his resume. I think there's a couple of holes, or I wouldn't say actually holes. I think he he still got a lot to prove. I think Crawford is the main man at the at the moment in terms of pound for pound in that weight class. I think he's probably by far the best fighter. But I think if Mikey Garcia beats him, I think that'll be a huge upset and a big statement. And I think. The only way Lomachenko could probably rival that would have to be to beat Crawford, and I don't think that's something Lomachenko should be thinking about because I think he's too small. I think Mikey Garcia and Lomachenko won't be happening. I wouldn't mind seeing Mikey Garcia and Pacquiao fight because I think there's a lot of size uh, difference between, I think, uh, Lomachenko and Pacquiao, and I think that fight probably won't be happening as well. And I think Mikey Garcia and Pacquiao might be the closest in terms of size out of all those matchups I've I've said. Do you think Pacquiao at this stage of his career could beat, to say, Mikey Garcia or uh, Lomachenko? I don't know if he'll be able to beat a Lomachenko. I think that he's going to be competitive. Um, and I, to me, it all depends on what weight division it, 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 it would be set. But I agree with you. With Mikey Garcia... If he was a call-out Manny Pacquiao, I like that fight a whole lot. The only the only roadblock that I see for Manny Pacquiao and Garcia fight happening is that Pacquiao is an RR in negotiations with Amir Khan. If the Amir mm. Khan falls apart, I could really see Pacquiao's team and him go, hmm, Mikey Garcia, that's a good that's a good fight there. That's a good money fight. But if you have to weigh put the scale up of who who offers more in terms of dollars, I would have to lean more with Amir Khan. I think Amir Khan brings more to the table uh, being an international star uh, than Mikey at the moment. W- would you agree with that, Gabriel? You know, in terms of money uh, on the scale, who who brings a bigger offer at the moment? For Mikey, uh Pacquiao obviously, no, I Pacquiao. think, wins the most money. No, no, for Pacquiao. Oh, for Pacquiao, who, for Pacquiao. You know, is it Amir Khan or is it Mikey Garcia? The smart play is Amir Khan. You exactly. know, a guy with a name that's yep. been knocked yep. out before that you've sparred. You know, when he was in his prime, they were both kind of, uh, you know, they, they got a good look at each other. Manny did when he was at his best. So I, I, I would say, yeah, he would just take uh, a heartbeat. I don't think the Mikey Garcia fight is a. That's not the kind of fight he's looking for. He doesn't need that fight. Yeah, Dave, I mean, did you see I think any, he'd be very did competitive, you see, but he doesn't need it. I was just going to say, did you see any of those sparring uh, sessions between Pacquiao and Khan? I, I, I've heard that I was Khan... There. I was there. I, I, I had a chance to witness them go at it. Yeah. And it, it was really... <laughs> um, it's really hard to say because it is sparring. And when I've witnessed Manny, I've, I've seen Manny spar a few times. I'm pretty, you've seen him too, right? Yeah. Gabriel spar. Um, yeah, I never saw him with Khan though. I, I, I got to see him with Khan, and this was really in the early stage. This is when 
Amir had just came from the UK, and Amir had walked into the gym. And this is, the, I'll tell you this funny story. Amir walked in. I'm standing there, and nobody in media or or even in the gym knew who Amir Khan was. And I walked up to Amir Khan, and I was like, Amir Khan, like, whoa, what are you doing here? And he got so happy that somebody knew who he was. Uh, and then we went to the fights together to go see some fights. I can't remember exactly where it was at. Uh, Serafina took me, um, and we had a chance to talk. And then the next day, that's when I saw Amir step in with Amir, uh, with Manny Pacquiao. And um, Hanfrey for Hanspeed, I mean, it was phenomenal. But I, I did see Manny kind of hold back because this was a new kid on the block, and he was trying to help Amir Khan. You know, like Manny would do something, and then he would kind of, you know, get to his ear and say something. So it's really hard to kind of – you know, uh, um, to say at this time, even at this time, because they're both kind of out of their prime. Uh, but even at that time, to say when uh, they were still at, super fast. Said. You know, and, and fast, he might yeah. he fast. might be finding himself. I mean, Pacquiao had been stopped uh, twice, right before he came to the United States. Uh, so yeah. you know, Khan. Sometimes it's a professional record. Yeah, it's a fatal flaw, but he's still one of the fastest human beings I've ever seen. I, I saw him like the first workout or one of his first workouts this is one of my first interviews in LA uh, when he walked into the wild card after being stopped for the first time. And, and uh, dude, it's just like ridiculous. I mean, seeing Pacquiao in his prime and him, uh, I would say he might've been a little bit faster than Manny at this stage, you know, who knows? And, and he's got a Joe goose in, in his corner uh, that's kind of molding him. And, and, you know, there's very few guys who are as good at re- reclaiming a, a guy, you know, particularly one of if they have a, specific flaw that he could see, he'll know how to, how to hide it and how to bring out the best in a mirror. Nobody's really got him to, to put the technique and speed together uh, over a tough fight for a long time. Well, Freddie Roach, I guess, in the Maidana fight, they got him yeah. through you know, a crisis situation, being really hurt, getting him through that fight. Uh, Amir is, is going to be dangerous, depending on the style in front of him. I don't know if that's Manny Pacquiao style. I think Manny knocks him out. But, uh, you know, we, we could see. Yeah, I agree. I'd watch yeah, the hell out of that fight. <laughs> I think I want to see that fight. The only thing is, where would it take place? If it's in the UK, I'm definitely down for it. I mean, I'm a huge, massive Pacquiao fan, and Khan being same heritage and country, I, I'm still a fan of him. I think he's kind of been inactive, and some of the things he, some of the career routes I think he's taken have not really done him favors. They're waiting on Mayweather and Pacquiao for such a while, but. I'll I'll still be down to watch that fight. Uh, do you think that fight could take place in the UK or would it probably go to Asia? Uh, 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 maybe you know he needed a lot of Manny Pacquiao or MP Promotions. Uh, uh, you know they needed a lot of infrastructure work from uh, top rank. From what I understand, they needed some help, uh, international work, all all of it. Just the whole, uh, you know, try, trying to set up a new deal. I mean in like another country when you're just kind of a local promoter, really without, you know, without top rank, there is no Manny Pacquiao promotions in the U S I think in at least early stages. Now I think he's learned how to do it. But, uh, so if you've got Eddie Hearn involved, who's got Amir Khan, if I'm Pacquiao, I'm like, look, it's going to be a co-promotion. You guys do, you guys set it up. Mm-hmm. I think you, you take that fight to the UK. Why the hell not? I think there's a ton of money there. Exactly. Unless you can get like yeah. great money again in Malaysia, but it seemed pretty dicey the last time they did it. Uh, it took a while for that, that check to clear. It, it was seem really to show dicey. up. It was, so, I mean, they didn't uh, even know they I were going to fight a week before, uh, you know, before the fight. So I, I think, I you know, if you didn't see Pacquiao, 
Yeah, if you didn't see him in the U.S., you ain't gonna uh, at this point. No. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a hell of a fight. Going to the, I was thinking about going to the Matisse fight, but like you said, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty if the fight was going to happen. If he fights Khan, I'll definitely try and go to that, even if it's in Dubai, but I'm not too sure if a fight will materialize in Dubai. I think we've heard about this for such a long time. It, probably in the UK, then, is probably better off. Or, unless Pacquiao returns to the Philippines, I think he's been interested um to have a homecoming fight there as well. Yeah, well, well, that's, you know, I think that could be in his future. Maybe it's a swan song. Who knows? Uh, he doesn't yeah. want to do it. I don't know. If I'm Amir Khan, he's been to the Philippines. He knows what the, you know, what the travel's going to be like. That's a, that's a pretty rough area to win in if he's planning on winning. <laughs> yeah, also, I wanted to add uh, Port and uh, Danny Garcia, Sean Port and Danny Garcia, Got announced today officially. They had a press conference. I haven't checked it out because I've had some technical issues in my phone. I've just been running up and down the shop to try and get it fixed, but luckily it's a bit better now. But uh, I didn't watch the press conference. But what do you think of that matchup? I, I was looking at the both of the resumes. I think Porter's resume, I put it out on, on Twitter earlier on, that I think it's probably arguably the best resume at uh, 147 because I think two of those decision losses, if you if those went the other way, which they easily could have, I thought the draw could have definitely been on the cards for the Brook fight. And I think the Fairman fight could have went the other way or could have been a draw as well. But if those fights went the other way, then if you add it to his resume, he beat uh, Pauli Malnagy, who wasn't really the biggest name, but he was still a name at the time, along with Alexander, Puerto and Broner. I don't think there's anyone else at Walterweight uh, who's got a better resume. But who do you guys even that much. I like this fight a lot. You know, I, I got to say this, that if you look at both guys, they bring something completely different. Porter, to me, is a buzzsaw. Uh, Danny's career has changed. He's got two halves of his career. First half was he was a boxer puncher. Now he's become more of a puncher, stalker. Uh, so Danny, yeah. to me, is the axe. He's the axe in, 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 the, in, the, in this match. Whereas, like I said, Porter is the, the, he's the buzzsaw. Um, I always kind of lean towards the buzzsaw because an axe is going to look for the per- per- perfect moment to top you down. He's gonna he needs the pace. He needs to you know that pace to just kind of chop you down. You know where if you watch when Thurman fought Garcia, Garcia uh, Thurman was doing really good for those first five rounds and then he just died out. He just stopped pressing on the gas. I don't think Porter's going to do that. I think Porter's just going to keep grinding and grinding and grinding. Yeah. He's that little energetic bunny, man, that just doesn't run out of battery. He just keeps coming and coming. That's all he does. And I think that's going to kind of fuck up Danny a little bit, but it is going to give Danny those opportunities to drop that axe. My question is, is that Danny likes to drop the axe one or two times. He's going to have to let the axe go more than one or two times to slow down a Sean Porter. I'm right now. I'm leaning more with the hustler, and that's Sean Porter. Yeah, I'm seeing. I'm in the same. I, I think Sean Porter's chin is underrated. He took flesh bombs from Sumer oh, yeah. and from Brook, from Brook as well. I think Brook was a big puncher as well. I think people yep. don't seem to realize, but he was a he was a good, very big puncher and a good boxer puncher. And 
I think he got dropped by Bruno, but that was a catch rate. Uh, I think Garcia's power may be a bit overrated. I think he, out of the two, he might be the bigger puncher, one punch, bigger puncher, like one hitter, quitter, like the way he knocked out Rios. But I wasn't too impressed. I thought Rios was very past his best, and Rios was giving him oh, troubles. Yeah. I thought I had about 5 3 or something like that going into, I think it was the ninth round. Uh, the only thing I think um, I'd worry about the fight, I think Porter might, um, might, might I don't know, bend the rules a bit. The way he comes in with his head, so it could turn a bit ugly. But I think the stars should gel up well. I think it should be a good matchup. But I, uh, the, only, the only thing I'd worry for if I was a Garcia fan is the work rate. I don't think he throws enough punches to keep someone like Porter off. I think it's going to be a really ugly fight. Uh, I'd see Sean Porter uh, grappling (laughs) on the inside, like charging in. uh, I see charging, yeah. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. He's he's an ex-halfback and uh, a running back. And he explodes through the hole that way. Uh, He kind of, I I think as a result, it's like he always, you know, there are times when he fights at range well, um, he has to be really disciplined about it. I don't think it's it's what he's most comfortable doing. Uh, I think he's like kind of like the three yards in the cloud of dust offense. He just kind of charges into you, pounds away, uh, takes what you get, and really kind of wears you down. It's a very physical fight. And Danny is a guy that's like a one and done. A lot of times he'll kind of come forward and, and also smother you and, and, and tie you up. And, and he's a little more of a Swiss army knife, I think. Uh, but he's also, he, he can be muscled and, and pulled into a, these kind of fights. And, and I just think he's had a lot of nip and tuck wins. It's starting to be swing yeah. the other way for him. He looks good against uh, Brandon Rios, but, I mean, Rios was also a little more competitive than he should have been. And, uh, you know, it was a TKO in nine. Rios was super game. I think there was a lot more in there. I think, it's a, you know, he should have taken more, better care of himself over the years maybe in between fights, and he would have had a longer career. Uh, but he showed his fighting spirit in that fight. And, and uh, so there's no shame in it. I think those were probably good rounds for Garcia back in uh, you know, February. But this fight, he's going to have to keep distance and really uh, make Sean pay and not fall into letting Sean hit him in the chest with his head and, and bull forward and, and bully him. He's got to turn Sean all night. It's got to be a very good Danny Garcia to win this fight. Uh, and, you know, and he's going to have to be a boxer to do it, I think. Punch in, in, in bots, obviously. Uh, maybe catch uh, Porter coming in you know, from underneath. Uh, with the uppercut and set up an uppercut hook, uh, put him down. Uh, we'll see. You know, it's, it's, I think also the, whoever really establishes not just their jab, but the body tack, uh, I think that's going to be Porter. It seems to have like a lower center of gravity, comfortable coming in low and digging uh, to your ribs. Uh, that that uh, field is going to be very interesting. Uh, I, I'm not sure who I'm picking yet. Uh, depends yeah. on, you know, a, a lot of things. Who's the ref? Uh, but it's going to be the Barclays Center, uh, September 8th on Showtime. So if you're in Brooklyn, David Benavidez versus Anthony Brill on the undercard. Uh, yeah, it's going to be an ugly night at the at the uh, Barclays Center. <laughs> All right, brother. Thanks for calling a, in, man. Yeah, I, I was just going to add, uh, I think it's a good card. Uh, I don't think yeah. people can complain about it. I don't think people can complain about it. Uh, just before I go, I wanted to ask one last question. Who do you think... Uh, has got the better trainer out of the two dads, uh, Angel Garcia or Kenny Porter? Well, I can't say I one like talks Kenny. more than the other. Yeah, um, I like Kenny, though. 
But I like what Kenny has you know, to say. I don't like what yeah. Danny Garcia's dad, uh, Angel, has to say uh, a lot of the time. Uh, and what, I, you know, what about the trainer? What about the trainer? Trainer. Well, I mean, you know, I liked. I saw Danny turn pro uh, live. I, I liked his career as kind of a dark horse uh, potential, like title holder. Uh, for years, I turned out to be right, and people hated on that dude for a long time. I, I picked him against Matisse. I I liked Danny. Um, I picked him against Thurman. I thought he would be a little more fundamental, um, but uh, you know he's had a lot of close wins. Some say losses. Um, they the more they hate on Danny, and I think his uh, Philadelphia Puerto Rican style and his dad, uh, the closer those fights, even the Matisse fight gets closer in, in the retelling, even though it wasn't close. Uh, I, I, Danny uh, kind of dominated him, but uh, um, he did lose a point, so maybe that's why it seems closer on the official cards. But uh, he's also had a charm career. He had, you know, Eric Morales uh, in his last hurrah, uh, you know, twice, and you know, knocked him out um, to finish off his career. Uh, you know, I, I, I like the first Danny. fight was close. I thought the first fight it was, was close. close. But I mean, that's a Hall of I Famer. Knocked on one day. You know? Yeah. Uh, who's had his last hurrah? And it's, it's, it was kind of like his Fat Duran period. I love that Eric Morales, like as much as I love the young Eric Morales. Uh, dude's just a card-carrying badass. So I don't know. You know, uh, we'll see what Danny has has learned from his loss. Um, and is he a guy that really wants it? I don't see fire from him, but you know, I, I haven't done a lot of interviews with Danny either. You know, I followed him over the years, interviewed him a few times, but uh, he's an East Coast yeah. fighter, so he didn't get a lot of opportunities. You know. Um, catch him on undercards or whatever, and then not see him in the in the, in the locker room early on. Uh, but uh, we'll see. This would be a good fight. It's a proving ground kind of fight. Uh, it's a, a crossroads you know this, kind of fight. You know, you know this card. This is this takes place same night as the is it the Superfly guy? Yeah. So you've got the you know yeah Barclays Center, Brooklyn, New York, Showtime. Danny Garcia, Sean Porter, David Benavides versus Anthony Durrell. And then at Staples Center on the left coast, uh, Los Angeles, California, HBO, Juan Carlos Estrada versus Felipe Orocuta, uh, super flyweights, because the card is Superfly 3, Donnie Nietes versus mm. Eston Palicte, and uh, Kazuto Ayoka versus McWilliams Arroyo. Arroyo. Uh, yeah, that's a, you know, the little guys bring it. I love this brand. I love that they're uh, that we're overcoming sizeism in boxing. That it isn't just about the heavyweights and the middleweights and the you know 35 and above and sometimes 126 if you're feeling crazy. Uh, but we're getting down to uh, the, the much smaller weights, the bantam weights, the and, you know the superfly guys, the little guys. I love it. All, All right, man. Thanks for taking the call. All right, peace. It's just always weird to me when you look at the, the flyweights and the super flyweights and the minimum weights, you're like, that dude weighs 115 pounds, even if it's not on the night. But you're like, yeah, it just trips me out, the the variety in boxing. Uh, you want to go one more? A milk car has been on for yeah, uh, a year and a day. Go for it. Let's put on a 917, you're live on Leaving in the Ring. What's going on, Gabe and Dave? How's everything? Good, man. How you oh, doing, brother? Doing well, man. Okay. Doing very well. Oh, good. I'm enjoying hey, thanks the for show. filling in for me last week. Thanks for filling in for me <laughs> hey, last week, man. I appreciate it, brother. <laughs> it, didn't, it, didn't, uh, it just ended up working out like that. And, I know, uh, man. I always <laughs> like talking to Gabe. I was telling Gabe I'm earlier today that, that uh, you know, you, you, he always provides a good mix of, like, arts, politics, and boxing. And uh, when, I, when I first called in, I think one of the first things you guys were talking about was the uh, AMLO election 
which um, was was a pretty cool thing. You guys were mentioning about a few. His, the last time, I mean, the media was against him. The State Department was against him. Yeah. But, uh, socialism's no longer a bad word in 2018, man. So no, we're, no. We're, we're 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 progressing. Yeah, I think so. It's you know everything was swinging to the right and super conservative. You saw this wave. You know, almost felt like it like uh, the 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 coup of. Uh, uh, Dilma Rousseff in Brazil kind yeah. of kicked off this like crazy conservative wave that came all the way back around to Brexit and then all the way back around to the United States to the election of uh, 45. Uh, AMLO brings some hope. We hope that he's not some kind of like, you know, 45 in disguise, but that he's the real deal. And I, I feel like he is. You know? oh, he's, right. the, he's, the real, he's the real deal. So much so that during the last election, they were trying to compare him to Chavez and Castro and Cuba, just to you know, scare the the the, the media watching uh, consumer, let's call it. And that was in the English and the Spanish media here in um, in the United States. So it, it, the fact that he stuck with it and is still there, it's a it's a good thing, man. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see. It. You know, it can only get better. <laughs> it should be Mexico's slogan right now. Uh, it's the Mexican <laughs> government <Yeah>. slogan. <laughs> it can yeah, only absolutely. go up from here. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, after, after the show here, I actually have to uh, catch up on 45 because I haven't. I, I normally read up on him every yeah. day, and I'll send uh, Gabriel articles. I'll say, read this, check this out. Uh, I haven't had the chance today. I've been so busy. And, I'm giving uh, up caffeine. So, yeah, uh, just uh, I just check his Twitter feed, and I'm awake. You're a brave. You're yeah. brave man. You're a brave <laughs> man. I, <laughs> I need I, I need caffeine go. to get through my day. <laughs> you know what? I gotta send this to to Gabriel, and then uh, I'll probably put it out, out there in Twitter too. But there's this lawyer that I'm following, and uh, he breaks down. I won't take too much because we don't have that much time here, and I know some folks get all pissed when we talk politics here on Leaving Me. But um, he really takes. He's a criminal lawyer, first off, okay, yeah. and he really breaks down the mistakes that media is doing in terms of saying that. Uh, about the impeachment or how much in trouble 45 can is actually is in because in right. a criminal case you don't need um the actual hand in, in, the gun in your hand yeah. uh, if they could just prove like he he made a perfect example is if if it was raining last night but you didn't see it and you open the window and the and the sidewalk is wet the grass is wet there's there's water dripping from the from the leaves that tells you that it rained and that's all right now that, that prosecutors kind of need uh, with 45 and his family and the associations, the, the, the administration that's with 45 at the moment. So it's really so interesting that's if, stuff. That's if it's raining, David, but what if, it, what if it's a Category 5 hurricane, which is kind of what yeah, we have right yeah. now? This <laughs> yeah, is more no, like yeah, uh, somebody bumped yeah, a fire hydrant and it's just right. shooting, you know, water, oil, money, just all kinds of things. <laughs> Small children. No, 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 well, just, uh, circle yeah, back to boxing to real quick. Huh? Right. Sorry, you said. But I think it, I think I do think it's fair in the comparison of what you just said right now that we yeah. can't say the White House is no longer in Washington the way things have been looking. You know. Of course. Yeah. Let's get back in the boxing here. So, so um, you guys were talking about Mikey earlier, right? And yeah. I'll be I'll be honest. I was one of the guys who was not too critical of his decision to take time out of boxing. I, look, for me it was out of sight, out of mind, but you got to respect someone who's decided to do something for themselves for per- personal reasons, especially 
you're talking about some of these boxers, especially him, he's been fighting since he was a little kid. You know, sometimes the mind and the body need to break, regardless of how many millions are being thrown out of you and, at you. And for him to take that decision, I, honestly, I had to respect it, right? Um, but now that he's well, not bad, even the mind and the body. Not even the yeah. mind and the body. How about the financial side? You know, a guy looks at it and goes, hey, uh, why am I, you know, why am I giving a bigger percentage to this person when I'm the, you know, when, when I'm the, I'm the product, you know, that is true. I should get a little bit more, you know? Right. And he's a free agent now, right? My only yeah. issue with his free agency, which again, I respect, and uh, Errol Spence's free agency, which I respect. Is that if you're a free agency, why doesn't that, if you're a free agent rather, why doesn't that apply to Showtime, right? You, you hmm. don't have a right. promoter. You go fight by fight. So why are you tied to Showtime? Why can't Mikey, if he's a free agent, fight Lomachenko? Or uh, Spence, if he's a free agent, fight uh, Terrence Crawford? That, that's where it becomes a little bit hypocritical and at the same time as a fan, uh, you know, a little frustrating because I want to support the free agency, but then be a free agent. Well, I mean, you know I mean? Business, I, I, right. you guys tell me if I'm wrong, but business doesn't always happen on paper. You know, sometimes there's exactly. just an understanding and you look at Showtime, they've been, they've got in the Mikey Garcia business and, and they've been good to him. And, and, uh, you know, I imagine, you know, when you have a network that that's featuring you like that, uh, and, and they're building a storyline, which is what boxing's all about. I don't know how they feel about him heading over to ESPN after kind of building him to this point. You know, uh, I forget. Probably the, the same way they felt about Andre Ward after the Super Six that was designed for him, and they just left and went to HBO. But yeah. like, I mean, for for every fighter that does that type of stuff, we've got like a thousand cases of of fighters that have been done dirty, and a fighter looking out for his. Well, I can't say it's his, it's his best interest. I kind of see it as, as what a Kel Brook decided to do with Golovkin. You know, go up two weight classes, get his biggest payday of his career. Um, you know, if he wins, it's an amazing win. If he loses, it's a totally legitimate loss because he fought to someone who was the best in the weight class, two weight classes up. You know what I mean? I, I'm yeah. someone who'd really like to see him as a fan uh, fight Lomachenko for supremacy at 135, but... You know, I'm not into counting other people's money or, you know, uh, necessarily getting upset with them over the decisions they make. I'm just speaking as a fan in terms of what the fight that I'd rather see because I see it as being much more competitive. How about you guys? I I agree with you. You know, I mean, even going back with being a free agent and and just like you, I, I don't. I applaud anybody that says, hey, I want to take control of my life, my career. You know, I'm, I'm going to lead my own path. But at the same time, behind the scenes is, is where's really HBO at in terms of, I think if HBO really wanted a Mikey Garcia and Lomachenko, they would make an offer, but they're at a budget. And, and they're at the mercy of somebody else of, of receiving that budget. So we don't know the full true story there. You know, we don't know exactly where they stand in anything as well as with Top Rank. Top Rank seems to have more deals with ESPN and ESPN Plus. Do ESPN Plus, which is not a proven platform yet, could they afford a 135 showdown between Lomachenko and Garcia? I think Garcia is exactly where 
he understands kind of more of the map. He can he can understand a little bit more because you know the Al Heyman platform shows that they have a budget. They can move certain things and make certain things happen. And even before the other caller, when he was saying like. Why didn't uh, uh, Mikey think about unifying the 140 division? Well, sometimes, I, you know, I, I think a lot of people think that, that matches are, are made by the fly. A lot of times matches are kind of discussed on a time's length, and even tournaments. This tournament, uh, the Super Boxing Series, this thing wasn't made up overnight. This was in talks in, in probably for a couple of years before it, be, it finally came to fruition, you know. So I think that Mikey knew at 140 there's nothing there for me to do because everybody was going to be preoccupied. So I'll go to 135 with Easter. He could be offered up, and I could do that fight there. You know, so that's why I'm not going to be too hard on Mikey. I think that Mikey's saying, hey, I want to go after the Godzilla of the 147s because the narrative is that nobody wants to fight, you know, Spence at 147. When we just saw yesterday, Terrence Crawford's like, "Uh, excuse me, I'm across the street. Hey, I'd like to fight you. But the but the yeah, politics is, is is right there, you know. I, I mean, to even say, and I honestly thought this was a real slap to the face to the other welterweights like Sean Porter and Danny Garcia, because the fact that they wanted that WBC strap, and that was dangled over their face, which Spence doesn't have that. I think if Spence had that no. strap, they'd be calling and it out. That that belt, you know, puts them in a better negotiating position in a unification fight with. Spence and trying to fight him without a title. Yeah. I, I totally get that move. You know, you're looking at a 50-50 fight versus a 70-30 or whatever the case would have, would have been in terms of a split. I'll be honest, you brought up top rank, uh, Dave. I, I was pretty yeah. disappointed in top rank this weekend, and I'll tell you why. I had to stream and rebuffer and, you know, refresh about four or five fucking times to, to watch the fight from, from England, Right. In mm. fact, the, yeah. the card traded with Show. Uh, sorry, not Showtime. Top Rank is Top Rank is is actually a co-promoter w- with uh, Duco Promotions of Joseph Parker. Why didn't they try to seek to get that fight on US TV? You know, he ended up losing, but you know, you really want to deny a, a a top heavyweight contender, former champ, the opportunity to be on US television? I mean, as a guy who's as a comp- company who's his co-promoter, I just felt that that was total. Uh, the delinquency, you know what I mean? And you yeah, know, the, I can, well, I wonder yeah, if they, I if, they the after he lost, right. if they still have a deal. You know, well, did Bob Arum still? Maybe have, I'm jumping. To you the know gun. what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm jumping I, I, to the gun. Maybe. It just occurred to me right now because at the beginning of it, it was like, yeah, why didn't they? But then. Who knows? Maybe the loss is like, and we're done with you. <laughs> I mean, it was well, three it was great right. heavyweight fights, three right. great heavyweight fights. Dave Allen knockout, Chisora, yep. uh, 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 Carlos Takam. I mean, unbelievable that fight. Was beautiful. You know, unbelievable. Uh, ten out of ten. And, and then White and Parker was a great fight. And again, I'm sure you had to do the same thing. You know, refreshing, finding links. I mean, it, it's it, it shouldn't have happened. And it's the type of thing that should have been on ESPN Plus. You know, I was yeah. In terms of uh, freezing, yeah, about three times. But I, I felt in some ways hashtag blessed. You know, at least I was able to see it. You know, uh, modern <laughs> yeah. technology. Uh, but but and yeah, by no. Freezing, yeah, I meant my radio, noise. of course. Yes, right. Yes. No, I know. There was an old timey guy talking real fast and describing the fights, and sometimes he would freeze. 
Uh, <laughs> but no, what a, what a card. Like Dave card. and I both were like kind of catching up uh, on the fights today. And, and uh, I was like, no, you got to, you got to watch the heavies uh, and make sure you, you know, cause the Parker white fight to me, it, it wasn't super exciting, but maybe I was just like, you know, after everything we'd seen before it, uh, kind of just like really guys, you got to bring it. But the biggest really was uh, really Dillian White. Good you're, fight, you're bro. Breathing heavy in, that, in the fourth round. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. No, but wait a minute. You know, you know, wait a minute. I thought it was a tactical fight. I, right. When I talked, you know, the, here's the thing. I didn't watch the fight on Saturday because I my stream wasn't working at all. So I mean, my radio um, yeah access wasn't working at all. So I got frustrated and and I just shut it off. I was like, you know what? I'll wait for it. There's a website that that plays it. But on that Saturday. Late at night, I'm reading the tweets, and I see just a bunch of fans just crapping on it, saying, what a boring fight, what a crappy fight. Oh, the ref, you know, didn't have any control They need to stop it. watching boxing if that's what they think, those guys. That exactly. They so when I, I talked to Gabriel, what Gabriel goes, did you watch the, did you watch the, uh, uh, the White and Parker? And I said, no, nah, you know what, you can go ahead and talk about it. I heard it was a crappy fight. I heard it was boring. And Gabriel goes, no, dude, you got to watch it. So yeah. I came home. I came home and I sat and I watched and I was like, "What the fuck were they? What, what? What were people on Twitter watching? This was a good. There was real first moments of either guy was going to get laid out. Now, Parker, I brought this. Yeah, yeah. You know, Parker the only way that you can bit, watch. He did have uh, me a, bit, a bit frustrated. You know, I brought this. The only, sorry, go ahead, Gabe. The only way to watch Twitter unboxing is if it's uh, a link to the fight. <laughs> You know, yeah. I'm trying to, try, trying to like true. watch people's comments. Doug Fisher is really good. Uh, I think uh, Bad Left Hook uh, is, is really good. They do a nice round by round. Uh, Doug doesn't do like round by round, but like I like his observations. Uh, you can tell, and Dave is very technical about what he's seeing. Uh, I don't, you know, I haven't actually checked yours in the car, so I, I, I can't give no, you I, a review. I, but I rarely, you know. I rarely tweet, and when I do, I always delete it afterwards in, in case one of my kids <laughs> might. Look me up and find me going off on something, but um, I mean, yeah, I, I'm a teacher, and I was told when I when I went to school to be a teacher, kind of stay off social media as much as possible. But uh, the, uh, the the thing is, it's, I've mentioned this once on the ne- on the next round, and what I said was kind of I think misunderstood. Boxing is is so promoted to ethnic groups and by extension races that right. You know, if somebody's watching a fight between a Samoan and a black dude from 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 England, unless they're like so invested invest, uh, invested in it through, you know, misguided patriotism and nationalism, it's just not exciting. I, I that's the only thing I could think of in terms of why somebody would watch these fights and not think they were just what they were, which were really good boxing matches. You know what I mean? You're telling me that if it was. You know, uh, uh, an African American against a Mexican or a Puerto Rican—that that would have been the response. I, I highly doubt it. Highly. Doubt I it. highly doubt that. Yeah, highly doubt it. I mean, because, like I said, the, Parker. My frustration with him was dropping the hands. He, I mean, he didn't have a poker face at all. His face showed everything, every moment of anguish, every moment of confusion. Yeah. Um, white. You know, you saw the burst of confidence, and then you saw the low of exhaustion. I mean, the fight was exhausting and exciting at the same time. You know, I mean, the ref did interrupt, but it wasn't to the point where I was like, dude, get out of the way. He did let the, he did let the guys fight. 
You know, Cesar and, and Takan was a great fight. I told Gabriel, it was like watching the guys just shadow box each other. That's how yeah. good it was. You know, yeah. they were just going at it. You you saw one guy have a little bit more power, more steam behind his punches, but yeah. God, they were they matched. You know, from hook to hook, from body shot to body shot. Yeah, body shots, head shots, uppercuts. It was a, a little it bit was gorgeous. of rope and dope mixed in there. It, it had it all, man. Yeah. It had it all. Oh man, it was yeah. a gumbo of boxing. That's for sure, bro. <laughs> yes. So I'm I'm gonna take off. Uh, you know, I guess I got to admit my biases sometimes with the top rank thing. And, uh, Gabriel, you mentioned Dan Raphael uh, this, uh, I think, last show. I'll be honest. Uh, at times, I can get quite negative about both top rank and Dan Raphael uh, for the way that Regan, though, was treated um, by yeah. both, those, both those two. I mean, I, I it's, it was just like a hatred that Dan Raphael had for the man, and I never understood it. And to this day, yeah. I, 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 I think that there's a lawsuit waiting to happen for, for, for Top Rank for the way they just – it was promotional malpractice, what they did with, with, with Regan. They're just bad-mouthing him when he's under contract with you. I mean, saying that yeah. – it, I mean, I, I'm, to this day, when I think of what they did to that guy, I get quite uh, annoyed by it. Um, yeah, you know what's amazing, how disrespectful you know what's he was. amazing about that? You know Absolutely. what's amazing about that? It, it, yeah. Is Rigandau, who I've had uh, conversations with uh, in private, uh, yeah. is really a really humble, he's a gentleman. Very and much so. Very much so. You know, um, very, very intelligent, uh, very well spoken, and I really understood where his position was, where he was at in his career, and where he's at in general with the fans. And when you talk about a lawsuit, unfortunately, just like most, you know, uh, minorities, we, we're, we're going to let it brush off. Yeah. I think that's what Rigandau is going to do. He's just going to say, and, ah, well, you know, it is what it is, immobile, and walk and away. Like, I'll just leave it on this. I mean, for a guy to come in from another country, a lower, lower weight class, who was fighting in his early, mid, and late 30s, and for the, expect, the fans to just expect him to to throw a hundred, you know, uh, uh, punches around, it just wasn't his style. And you know, again, this guy was in his thirties. We're seeing the guy well past his prime. This is a guy who would have mm-hmm. had three Olympic gold medals. You know what I mean? Who who only lost out on the last one because of issues with, with defection and stuff in his country. Uh, when I think of the guys who've been really mistreated. Um, by, by the power brokers in this sport. I mean, he's just right there at the top of the list for me. And uh, on that negative note, I'll let you guys yeah, no, show. <laughs> I, you know, I got to watch him, and I, it, it, it was like, you know, I was in, in the wild card when he, was, when he first showed up, and that was the gym that was, you know, it was like they had figured out the offense, you know. Uh, they, had the, they had Pacquiao, the most explosive fighter in the game. And so... I think, you know, maybe it was like a Kronk sensibility that you had to go there and really, you know, uh, get after it. And Rigo comes in there, and he's a defensive master. Yep. Uh, he is who he is. You know, it comes with and personality, too, though. For him. Gabriel, you, you What's know that? What, though, Gabriel, guys, you know what, though? Personality is, is something that, you know, the first impression is everything, is what we've heard, right? And Rigandau yeah. had this face, like this sour face that looked like, I don't want to be here, or... 
you know, that's why they call him the Jackal because he looks like one. I think it's his exactly. face, and he also had three three managers. You know, uh, God right. knows how many well, people well, with their hands in the cookie jar. And right. well, you, to tie this into what you guys were saying earlier about weight, he fought above his weight class, his natural weight class. And this is a oh, guy yeah, who was, he was an 18 pounder. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And he went up to 130 also, to fight against against Lomachenko, and look at what they were saying about the dude. Yeah. What I was what I was saying is that I, I've seen this happen, especially in our, around in our community, is that yeah. a guy comes from either Mexico or, or somewhere else, and they don't speak much because one is they don't speak English, they feel very uncomfortable, so yeah. they kind of just stay very quiet. And as Americans, we kind of take offense to that. Like, what's wrong with this guy? Like, this guy doesn't want to – he should be happy that he's here. And we take it as this guy doesn't think his shit doesn't think. And I think that's what, like, the Dan Raphaels of the world kind of took with Rigondeaux is, like, this guy is not appreciative. He should be appreciative, which he was. He was just, you know, very reserved because he was in a foreign land. Anyways, that's, those are she- my thoughts about it, but, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I took him as a, uh, you know, fuck it. I'm going to be po- uh, poetic about it. A deposed yeah. king who's actually passed his best. He's a seven-time Cuban national champion at Bantamweight from 2000 to 2006. Uh, this is according to his Wikipedia. Uh, picked yeah. up a gold in 2000 and 2004, which is just an accomplishment to itself. Finishes with an amateur record of nearly 475 fights with 12 losses. The last of these losses happened in 2003. He's pretty much out of fighting in a sense, right? And then he comes, defects in 2009, uh, his second time. I think he was kidnapped or something. That was Luis Ortiz was kidnapped. But he then was undefeated for the next nine years. You know, he's 37. He shares a birthday with uh, James Dean. Actually, no, the day James Dean died is September 30th. Uh, Rigo was born September 30th, 1980. Um, yeah. Although, you know, how American writers will be, he's probably 67, uh, is what they'll say. Uh, you know, Freddie Roach called him, uh, you're probably the greatest talent I've ever seen. And I remember Freddie telling me that when he worked the mitts with Rigo for the first time to kind of try him out, it felt like the first time he did the mitts with Manny Pacquiao. With Pacquiao. Superpower, and they, and they felt really great together. But it just was not to be. He was knocking guys out early, and then he had that one fight. Uh, in Texas, when he won his belt, one fight, and everybody went crazy. <laughs> Rig and dull. <laughs> and this is a yeah. guy who, if you look at his KO percentage, uh, including after this, I mean, he's knocking most people the fuck out. That's an yeah. old man fighting above his weight class. But it, pro- it, it yeah. proves the theory about personality. Look at, look at Luis Ortiz. Everybody yeah. loves him. He's Cuban. Everybody yeah. loves this guy. And he's well, got, he's more gregarious. He's crying on camera. You know, he's got he's got yeah. the story about his daughter. You know. Yeah. He just he's just well, willing you know, to Rigo talk has about that. himself. Rigo has oh, that. Rigo's uh, got some real hard no contest. You know, his son. Yeah. He, he has the no contest against uh, Moises Flores, right? For for stopping him mm-hmm. illegally. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Such a legit yeah, knockout. But, <laughs> a legit <laughs> knockout. <laughs> Such a legit knockout. Agree to it. And a great knockout, mind you, as well. Yeah. And then Danny Roman and his, you know, fights Moises Flores in his very next fight. Um, a year later, almost a year to the day, 
uh, and goes the distance with him. And everybody's going crazy about Danny Roman. What a great fighter he is. He goes the distance with this guy who Rigo knocked out and won. But Rigo's boring. And we shouldn't yeah. ever see him fight again. It's never made any sense to me. But he's discarded. Yeah. If he was a little Mexican guy, people would be all over him. But he's a little black Absolutely. And took no market for Cuba, apparently. It just never made sense to me. You know, I mean, you could sell me Butterbean, but you can't sell me a two-time Olympic gold medal winner who knocks people out. Okay. You know, uh, cool. Mia St. John, the city goes, it goes yeah. on. <laughs> like and she's I a said, quality man, woman who does great work practice. for the mental health community. But, yeah, you know, you, she needed a good promoter, and, and that's what she got. Rigo needed a good promoter, and he got, uh, he makes the people at HBO sick. Thanks. Gabe, that's great. He said that. While this guy went out to, to, like, I think it was Northern Ireland, and, like, just obliterated this kid, you know? Oh, my Meanwhile, goodness. you're saying you can't, you can't promote him on, on, in, on the U.S. Yeah, made no sense. Then do it in the U.K. Do it where you got to do it. It just, you know, there, there must have been some other story that we're not told because it's never made no, sense we, to me. Yeah, there is another story. There is another story out there. But, you know, the you thing know, about his personality was he had to, he had like the arrogance of a king of like, dude, I'm a king. Like you're asking me these questions. Like he, you know, he was saying, what do you see? And I was like, well, you know, you kind of lean straight back. You you break the rule, like the way you lean back against the, the right hand sometimes. And, you know, I, I wonder about that. And he's like, well, I'll tell you what, you know, do you box? And I was like, well, yeah, I train here. And he's like, you have 122 pounds and you can see if you could show me about that right hand. You know, he was just, he was pretty funny. Like his people laughed and like, he kind of smiled but it was that Rigo smile that was kind of like, you know, looking into Death's eyes a little bit. Uh, he's a little badass. I, I don't understand what people didn't see in him. Well, it's, it's like, it's this, this, Dave, Dave, you know, you're in the death metal, right? I get it. You're in the death metal. But don't fucking tell <laughs> me that, that, that jazz music <laughs> is shit. You know what I mean? Right. Because <laughs> it's not. It's great music. You just made like death metal. It's, you know, exactly. I, get, I get it. But don't, don't denigrate the man. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> That's so good. So right yeah. on. Yeah. All right, guys. I'll uh, thanks All again right. for the show. I hope that you guys stick with this Monday stuff because I enjoy calling in. Go, cool, man. man. All right. Yeah. We, we enjoy your okay. calls. All right then. Yeah. Take care. Take care. Yep. Speaking of uh, Luis Ortiz, man. Um, Going off of the heavyweights that happened this weekend, I you know I think Ortiz makes it all interesting. I oh love to see him in a mix with any of the guys, <laughs> even with Parker. I like to see him get in a mix with Parker. I, I don't know if you saw this. My tweet was like, "Am I the only guy that sees that Luis uh, Luis Ortiz's face is like a brick with carved eyes and, and a mouth? I mean, he looks like the character from uh, Fantastic Four, The Thing. He's that scary. I mean, he's intimidating, man. When he walks up there." But then he's got that smile, but it's still scary. He's got that smile like, yeah, yeah, I just broke him in two. He's like a gigantic Tito if he was a southpaw, you know. He's, he's, uh, <laughs> yeah. he's got that kind of smooth look, you know, that we were talking about earlier. You know, he's like not super ripped. He's big. You can tell he's got muscles uh, and just a smooth style. Uh, you know, Razvan Kajanu uh, – don't mug for the camera. Don't make fun of your opponent when he's Luis Ortiz. It, it's going to get you knocked out as it did. Uh, the dude was just he trying to do that junk ball bomb. offense. And, oh, he did. He thought he was going to stink out the he, joint. And, he, and uh, you know, he you didn't. Know, somewhere in the back of his mind, 
you know, somewhere in the back of his mind, he thought, I'm Wilder. I'm going to catch him when he's coming in, and then I'm going to drop him. And Ortiz was just like, okay, I'm bored. Boom. Knocked him out. (laughs) It was great. I want to see Ortiz with White. I want to see Ortiz with Cesaro. I want to see him with Carlos Sacan. I want to see him with anybody. The heavyweights right now, to me, are so fun. If they made the tournament, I, I think the internet would explode. I mean, if you look at Baby Miller, you look at even Joseph Parker, uh, any of these guys. At this moment, we got some great matches out there still to be made. Even, I yeah, mean, I mean, guys with losses on their record. Guys, I mean, Carlos got knocked out with an overhand right that landed right above his ear. Same shot in about less than 15 seconds. Still, though, was in the fight all the way to the eighth. I mean, you, that just came from nowhere. Carlos, to me, still has a lot on those, you know, a lot of miles to run. To me, he, he looked really good. A hell of a fight. He did. He looked bro. really he explosive. His, his feet looked alive. He didn't look as plodding as as he did uh, at times, uh, you know, uh, against Wilder. He looked like ready to rock and roll. Uh, I, I was uh, I was really excited by that. And that final shot, it was it was like he was just out of range, and then boom, he just came and ended the night. I was like, thank God, I don't want to watch this guy mug all night. Uh, instead, he got mugged. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, Luis Ortiz was born March 29th. Uh, he's 93 years old. He's 178. Uh, he's 178. <laughs> <laughs> born in 1979. He's 39 years old. Uh, yeah, I mean, high boxing IQ. I, I just don't see, you know, he is the boogeyman. 6'4", 84 inch reach. Almost, he's not the traditional heavyweight. He's a little bit bigger, but he's not the super heavyweight. He's got size, power. Uh, if I'm Joseph Parker, I want no part of this man. Uh, they, they need to they need to really go back to the drawing board uh, with him. But uh, I'd love to see Luis Ortiz against uh, you know any of the gatekeepers. Uh, certainly, uh, Dillian White. You know he's a, he's got the number one spot in the BC, so I, he's not taking that fight. Uh, he doesn't have to. Uh, Luis Ortiz is ranked number four, although I'm not sure if this has shifted the rankings I'm looking at on, on Fight News. Uh, since all the wins, but uh, Luis Ortiz is not really in line anywhere else, you know, but that BC belt. Dillian White, if they were to make the fight between Luis Ortiz and Dillian White, my, my money would be with, with the, the block face Ortiz. I think he's, I think he still has it. I think, like you said, he's the boogeyman. I'm for sure. He's the boogeyman in the dreams of Wilder still, even though Wilder did get away with the win. How much what? Uh, I'm just thinking, if, you know, just matching up Luis Ortiz, uh, Del Boy versus. It's a great match. You know, Luis I still Ortiz. would lean with. I still would lean with Luis Ortiz. Oh you yeah. Know, here, yeah. Here, here's here's my here's my if if That's I was a fun fight. If I was a manager, <laughs> if I was a manager, or if this was a chessboard, and Ortiz is still out there. Like I said, for me, Wilder still is stained by, by Ortiz. I think that Ortiz took a bit, a little bit of Wilder with him that night. You know, uh, Wilder showed his grits. Wilder showed that he can um, face at, at a, I mean, he could, he could face uh, uh, obstacles and, and jump, you know, hurdle all over, over him. He could do those things. But if I'm Anthony Joshua's team and I see Miller, who's still a fresh guy, 
And I want to see, you know, I'm not really certain I would want to put him in with a guy right now where there's not that much reward, a lot of risk in facing Baby Miller. I would, I would definitely go. I'm sorry about that. My little guys over here saw somebody. They saw. I think they just saw Miller walk by. Um, I would say, hey, I want to make Ortiz and Miller because I want to put some miles on Miller. If anybody could put miles on Miller. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I would like to see you that know, fight. I just, I'm not that big on Big Baby. I, I just never have been on that train. Um, I, I, I like the kid I a lot. I, the only thing is I'm, not, I'm more on the Ortiz train because Ortiz has, show, has shown me a lot. Miller, to yeah. me, is still a guy that's still a baby in the heavyweight division. Doesn't look like a baby. Doesn't hit like a baby. But we really don't know how good Miller is. But in terms of being fresh in the game, He's the freshest out of all the guys at the moment. He's still the guy that we, we have to no question. Doubt. How good is Miller? And the only way we're going to find out is if you put him in with, you know, Del, uh, Del Boy and, and you put him in with uh, uh, the Carlos of the world and, and, and so forth. And I think that if you're going to start him off like that, if I'm Eddie Hearns, I would say, hey, uh, can we put him in with Ortiz? Can we see where he stands? And, and I would still think that Ortiz is a favor in that fight. Yeah, no, I, 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 I just like the style for him. You know, I think Big Baby is wide. He doesn't have the defensive technique uh, th- that, no. you know, in the experience that Ortiz does. I mean, he's the professor right now. They call him King Kong, but, you know, he's, the, the kind of skill and just, you know, granted, it was against that guy. Uh, you know, it just wasn't, it was not going to be up to snuff with a Luis Ortiz. It's, it's obviously, a, a, you know, a, a get back opponent, but. Uh, the nickname, the, obviously, the, the nickname does not fit him, because King Kong is a is a guy that's gonna dis, is you know destruction. He's gonna break down buildings, which he does. He does with his with his right, you know, with his left, uh, his straight left. He he can knock down a building Both when hands. he hits it. Yeah. Um, to me, if you, I know you're not a big comic book fan. I, I'm a, I, you know, I was a huge big time uh, comic Actually, book a little uh, bit. fan. Not not like you know, uh, well, I'm not yeah. a Doug Fisher. Do you remember the? You know, the Incredible Hulk was known as this dumb, big, uh, strong creature. But there was at one point when the Incredible Hulk uh, changed, he ended up uh, – yeah. Banner and him com- end up combining, and his name was Mr. Fix. Mr. Fix. That, to me, is what his Ortiz is. He's a very intelligent guy that carries hmm. destructive le- straight left. He kn- you know once he lands it and he catches you with it, he's going to destroy you. And he's really good in setting up the shot. He's really good of you know of kind of closing in that distance. Um, you know he did have some problems with Wilder's, but it's because Wilder's so awkward. But this past Saturday, you saw that when he was ready to end it, he was like, "All right, guy, I'm I don't want to play. I'm not going to play with my food today." Boom, it was over. And this is a guy that went the distance in his previous fight. Now, granted, it was last year, last May, uh, mm-hmm. against Joseph Parker. Uh, it was an absolutely losing effort, but, you know, he was able to do that junk ball stuff. And I think because Parker maybe ended up being that kind of fighter himself, he likes a little bit of movement, just enough offense, uh, but it's just kind of more of a cagey heavyweight. Uh, it just was a bad style match- matchup. Uh, so they went the distance. But here, Ortiz, no, he's an explosive counterpuncher. Uh, and he's willing to take the lead if he can get you out of there. And that's exactly what he did. It's exactly what he should have done. So, yeah, he's, uh, it's, you know, we went from uh, a famine 
to a feast in the heavyweight division. Uh, there's some excellent matchups to be made against big ass heavyweights who are looking and medium sized. You know, the, the super heavyweights, and then the we got the the, the kind of six four dudes in the middle that are looking to you know, get it on and have a high output and risk to get it done. And we saw it on this card. Uh, just some unbelievable action. But Dillian White, man, I need some more in your gas tank, dude. I mean, he was <laughs> holding on for dear life, holding on to the ropes, holding on to you know his opponent, uh, just holding on to whatever, just to get through the thing. Uh, I thought he was going to lose. All that effort uh, that White put in against Joseph Parker almost cost him at the end how little gas tank he had. He had less gas than, than people in the Mad Max movies. Like, he had to be moving at a certain pace, uh, explode at times, and then, like, take some serious breaks and get back out into space. Uh, not the most energy-efficient cat in the world, but uh, he certainly gets you where you need to go, which was uh, the win over Joseph Parker. Yeah, you know, and Joseph Parker, this is the thing where I was frustrated with him, was that you had a gas guy in front of you. There was moments you could have stolen there was moments you could have capitalized, but you waited for the last two rounds to do something. Um, yeah. Parker to me, you know, last week what I wanted to say, Parker to me was a guy that was just glad to be part of the crowd, is happy to be invited to the party. I wanted to see. My prediction was, like, if he shows up to the party and he doesn't participate, he's going to be, be forgotten that he's even there. And that's exactly what happened. You know, he participated in, in half of – maybe 30, 30 to 50 seconds of a round. And when he did, he created something. But he just didn't know how to follow up. Like, he just, for some reason, and, and maybe he plateaued in training camp, maybe he trained too much, whatever it is, whatever they stop doing in training camp, it surely is affecting him when it comes to fight night. Because you saw that. You saw that against Dylan White. Dylan White was there for the taking. Think about this. If it was anybody else, even like Andy Ruiz, uh, who's back in the mix in the heavyweight division? Do you think they would have they, they would have let up on the gas against Dylan White, knowing he had ran out of the gas and he was on the side of the road? No, they would have no. forward. They probably would have got him got him out of there, and we wouldn't be talking about Dylan White at the moment right now. Eddie Hearn is looking at this, saying we already have our next match to not want to fight Dante Wilder. It's, you know, well, it sounds like um, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder are now in negotiations. Uh, so, you know, uh, I don't know how much of that is, is rumor, but uh, apparently they're both certain sides. I know The Ring uh, magazine and several other outlets have, uh, they've, you know, have said that uh, they're talking. Uh, Fury said something, uh, you know, had a video out today on Twitter uh, that we're almost done, you know, with this deal, but I won't be overlooking Francesco Pianeta. He's going to give me the right fight and the right work to prepare me for Wilder. But, uh, you know, I've got, to, I've got to flatten him first and then Wilder let's dance is what uh, Tyson Fury said. So I am curious to see uh, if that fight comes to fruition. I'd love it uh, if they can make that fight happen because uh, Fury, you know, yeah, it's like he is the champion. Uh, he hasn't, given it up, hasn't had it taken away from him in the ring. He's had it uh, taken away from, uh, from the, you know, inactivity uh, and, and uh, the, the belts were stripped. But he's the guy. He's, he is the lineal champion that goes all the way back to John L. Sullivan. Uh, I've got to see him fight somebody here for a title. Uh, I think Wilder and him make for a very good fight. Uh, and then, you know, all the marbles for Anthony Joshua. Potentially, if, if Wilder's able to win the fight, or whoever wins Wilder Fury, 
and then they make the Joshua fight, that's just, it's going to be the biggest heavyweight fight in history, potentially. I can't wait to see it. It's just, and there's so many great matchups right now in the division. Uh, you know, there's just nothing quite like the giant men hitting each other. No, no. It, the thunder and the sound is like no other. Um, if you missed out on the ESPN Plus card uh, between the fight of the WLBO Super Featherweight title, you missed out on some great action as well because the Featherweights did bring it on. Uh, Christopher Diaz and Mayosoki Ito. I think I'm saying his, his name right. Uh, Gable, am I saying his name right? Masayuki Ito, yes. Masayuki Ito. Yes, Masayuki Ito. <laughs> what a great fight. You know, uh, if, you, if you thought those heavyweight fights were good, this one by far really stood out for me. These guys were nonstop. They were going blow by blow. Um, they were in the pocket. They were fighting out of range. Combinations were being thrown. Uh, Diaz looked like he was out of it. He looked like he was about to fold, but he came back, and he would come back strong every time. You know, in terms of old-fashioned fights, in terms of like the Mickey Wards and the, and the, and the, and the Gotti fight, fights, this was up there, but with a skill set, with some levels of skill that, that really took over, gave the tone of the fight, and I loved it. Uh, it wasn't a marathon. It was a sprint in every second and every minute of each round. You didn't really know who was going to take it. This was, to me, the highest level of will that a human had to offer. Both guys did it. What is Ito going to do with this title now? He's going back to Japan. Do you think or anybody else think he's going to come back to the States? I say not so much. I say that he's going to keep it in Japan and rightfully so make some money on it because that's what every champion wants. And Japan, you know, are going to put up big money dollars to see their champion, who was in one of the best fights of the year, could be is one of the candidates for best fights of the year so far in the super featherweight division. Both socks rose, I think, you know, um, uh, you know, Diaz strong fighter, but he hadn't really had that big test. This was his test and, you know, he didn't pass it on paper. Uh, but I think he showed his grit, uh, his determination fighting through that, you know, the swollen eye, uh, just you know, both of his eyes just, just beat up. Um, and, and Ito was cagey, man. I watched him on tape. We didn't really get to talk to uh, about it last week because we, it was right when the show kind of fell apart technically. Um, but he was going to be cagey. And in this fight, I mean, the guy just brought it. Uh, he just had such poise, uh, had uh, just kept his range throughout, uh, nice combinations. Uh, and, and, you know, just the, the, the right hand. Oh, we're down to 90 seconds. Uh, wow. The show flew by. Um, and, you know, we went from here's an unknown to a guy that, that everybody wants to see. They can't wait to see him fight again. What's he going to do? Probably take that belt home and, uh, you know, make some money. But I can't wait to hey, see who he fights More next. power to you. Yeah, more power to you, man. Well-deserved because you know that uh, for both combatants, their hands are going to be on ice for a few weeks. You know, and you know what, Diaz? He didn't have his head down at all. He fought his ass off. He won some fans that night. He showed definitely he is a must-see TV as well as Ito. I want Ito back uh, in the ring. And even if he fights in Japan, I want to be able to have the action to see him on ESPN Plus because it was well spent at 4.99. Anyways, brother, as always, it was fun. Um, I think we're going to be doing a, a preview show uh, this Friday again. 
because we didn't have a chance to talk about the upcoming weekend fights that are going to be happening with Serving Kovalev. He's back in the ring as well. Um, but we're going to be doing that this Friday. So, again, we'll be back. And for everybody that tuned in, thanks again for tuning in. As always, Gabriel, fun to talk. Boxing here on Leave the Ring. Talk to you guys soon. Peace.